bow and it's just a bow and arrow, you know. It's yeah. co- compound bow and some arrows. But I, maybe it's the broadheads. They are. But you can check a knife in a check bag. Yeah, yeah. there was definitely some confusion, mm-hmm. like asking other people, and then they were like, "Yeah, just checking under sports and wreck." I know if you're so flying with somebody that is also flying with a gun, it's a shoe in. Like you're both going, yeah, like, but bow or not. Gone. I'm like, there's no gun in there, no handgun, nothing. They're like, yeah, yeah well, we're gonna check it anyway. Yeah, that happened when we went to. Uh, Audit hunting, right? You just yeah. had a bow and I had the rifle, and you got hosed both times. Yeah, yeah. which could okay. because of me. You should you should have brought your bow in a uh, you know guitar case. <laughs> it's it's an oversized pretty, guitar case, it's it's just shaped like a guitar. Break it down. Yeah, usually it's not a big deal, but if you're flying with somebody with a rifle, you can guarantee they're going to yeah. run it through and check it. I always thought it was funny too. Did you where you flew into Canada? Yeah, yeah. Air Canada the whole way. Gotcha. And flew into Canada. Yeah, the times I've always flown to Alaska, it's so much easier to fly to Alaska than it is from Alaska to the States. They go through everything with a fine-tooth comb from Alaska to the lower 48. Wait, what? Yeah. No, is, I yeah. Mean, that's the whole opposite for me. But all to- Every time I've been to Alaska, it's been that way. All like, right, so here, here's, here's... I've what? almost missed all three connecting flights from Anchorage to either Vegas or that's Salt Lake because they went through my case with a fine-tooth comb. makes no sense. No sense. So here's, I, here's yeah. why I think it's t- like I'll debunk that based on my experience when I was up there. So I had to buy a shit ton of fuel canisters up there and a bunch of thermocell little like mm-hmm. fuel cell things. I'm like, I paid really good money because it's more expensive in Alaska to buy fuel, fuel canisters and fuel canisters for the thermocell. Yeah. There's no way I'm keeping them up there. So I, even though you're not supposed to, and Trill does all the time, he flies with fuel canisters. You, you bad people. <laughs> I, I, I was pointing bad you out people. because you can't be doing that, Trill. Just throwing I, right I, under I, the bus. I may, I may have. <laughs> so I said, Allegedly. This is so, so coming back, I was like, screw it. If they're going to go through my bag coming back, they can go through my bag and take them out because I don't technically sure. need them anymore, but I paid for them up there, so I want to bring them back. I put so many fuel canisters in my check bags and thermocell things, and they all made it back to Vegas. Yeah, when I... It was easy. Yeah. Last time I was up there... Moose hunting. I had a handgun in my bow case, mm-hmm. and I I literally got my from my connecting flight to Anchorage. I ran straight to the you know TSA right. I'm gonna check my gun, check my uh, my bow, and like I could hear them calling my name. And I'm like, I told the guy every. I'm like, there's a handgun. This is mm-hmm. where it's at. This is you know everything. And I'm like trying to speed it along. Like he pulled that whole thing apart. I almost missed my flight. Like I was running full tilt to catch that flight. Like I barely made it. I was the last guy on the plane, you know, like calling my name. But yeah, I always thought that was weird. I think you're on a TSA checklist, that trail crisis. Might be. Might be. Makes no sense though, because everything's so expensive. Like, why would you be smuggling something from Alaska to here? Yeah, like you're yeah, gonna lose the, so much money. Yeah, and the other <laughs> thing is, you you'd, you'd think in Alaska yeah. they would deal with a lot of sportsmen coming yeah. out, you know, to and from. But yeah, that's been my experience. I always try to plan ahead if I've got, if I'm going to have like a, a check bag, checking a gun or something like that in Anchorage to have an extra hour. Dang. Yeah. I wouldn't have guessed that. I don't know. Well, welcome hmm. back. We haven't been together for a minute. Uh, long time. It's been oh, a long time. boys are back. <laughs> it's boys been a, back in town. an interesting fall thus far, huh? My gosh. One for the, one to remember. Keep on rolling, Lorenzo. You got more coming? I'm on, uh, um, the plane is grounded at the moment. <laughs> Through this next kid, I'm I'm 16 days out from the next kid. As We're two today. weeks basically. Yeah, two weeks. Mm, man, that stuck up fast. Yeah, and then uh, so I'm grounded now, and then all of November, and then I'm gonna start hunting again. Gotcha. When's you, got, your, you got everything ready? When's your kid due? November 3rd. Okay, my brother's kid is due 
literally the 19th of October. Really? Yeah, two, two, two days. days. Two days away. Yeah, could two be days. any second now. My brother's gonna have his first yeah. kid. That's awesome. And is he maybe it'll be buddies. Is he hunting? It'll be hunting <laughs> yeah. buddies. Was he in uh, Montana hunting? Or call it some no, other that's, that's my that's my other friend. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all ready for a new baby? Uh, I mean, define ready. I mean, ex- got, excited. Obviously, every, that's everything like put a together. No, no. <laughs> Come on now. I've been hunting. How's Turtle no. Phil? Is he he's excited? good. Yeah, he's beyond excited. Does like, he understand it? Like I he's think have a. So there's two there's two parts to that question because I was asked this question over the weekend. There's two parts to that. Does he know something's coming and is he excited and all that stuff? Absolutely. Like he's definitely taking on the big brother role and mm-hmm. he's understanding and he's telling people all that stuff. But I don't think he obviously understands how his life is gonna change. You know, yeah. change. <laughs> and uh, that'll be the interesting part to see what he takes to. Hmm. But I mean, he's big, for what it is. He knows something is happening. Big you know? brother turtle. Yeah, big brother turtle. <laughs> Oh boy! Here we here we go. How old is Turtle now? Uh, four, almost four. four and a half. Oh yeah. yeah, gotcha. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. exciting. Yeah. So you want your wife ready? I bet she's. Oh, she's beyond ready. Yeah. She's beyond ready. I mean, fourteen days out, sixteen, whatever I said, sixteen days out. Man, you're so close. So you, so you said there's there's no other hunts for you? No, I I pick it back up in After? December waterfowl. Oh, that's and right. Then wait, wait, south wait. of the border, January. You know, waterfowl hunting this year. I'm gonna. I'm really trying to. Really? That's how I'm gonna try to fill in some December. You used to love that, right? You spent I know. a lot of time waterfowling. Yeah, and it's been a while, so I'm like, what a good year to like mm-hmm. pack in a couple weekends since I can't big game hunt anyways. It, yeah. You know. Do you remember how fun our hunt? Not to sidetrack us, but it was a lot of fun. That late season hunt trail and I did was so much fun. It's the best, a couple years man. ago. The biggest issue with that it's was just so quick. Yeah. We wish we'd had another couple of days to get, you know, get some more shooting in. Just the yeah. whole, you know, more of the ad experience of like setting decoys and the whole that cold was so snow. Fun. And yeah, I it's, love hunting in the cold. It's, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's everyone should do it. Like I genuinely think that because it's so hard to explain until you do it. Just how dynamic everything is. Nature, thing I liked about nature's it was, arcade. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Thing I liked is you get up early, really early. You get out. <laughs> really I mean, early. and it's freezing cold. You set all your decoys. You go through in your hunt, but by like 10 o'clock, you're done. You pull everything down, yep. head in, you get a hot meal, warm up, shower. Yep. Hang out. Got a bunch of shooting in. So, yeah, that was fun. So everybody loves like the, the fire the fire pit at deer camp, you know, mm-hmm. like having drinks around the fire pit, bullshitting around deer camp. Yep. That is literally more than half of the day with waterfowl yep. hunting if on a good waterfowl hunt when you're done by 10, noon, whatever it is. You had some taxidermy done from that hunt. Did you get it back? Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. got a blue Matt, Matt, Matt Davis mm-hmm. is, uh, I believe it's his uncle. Don't don't quote me fully, Matt, sorry. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, his uncle do it up in uh, Salt Lake somewhere, Salt gotcha. Lake Valley. You did yeah. a blue? I did a blue, and then I did a speck. Oh, nice. Yeah, they look gorgeous. I'm like, yeah. I, I have my house. I don't have a lot of mounts in my house. Almost all of them are at the Go Hunt HQ. <laughs> That's the way it should be. Are they flying? Yeah, yeah if like, they're flying, yeah. Gotcha. They're, really, they're gorgeous. I look at them every day, and I'm like... Cause in my other living room, like when you walk into the entryway, like just off the kitchen, but they're so cool looking on the wall. You should have mounted one trail. Yeah, should you should probably. I don't know where to put it though. I just hang it from your ceiling, <laughs> right in the bedroom. I just always thought blue blues are so gorgeous. They really are. And then are. to finally get one, you know, it was like I had to mount it. They really are gorgeous. And what then you do with your moose. What? What'd you do with your moose? Oh, yeah. I, I listened to you guys on... Uh, that was when we had a debate about this. We <laughs> yeah. haven't had a chance to follow it up yet because I I'd said, you know, if Brady shoots a big moose, which you did, and cat's out of the bag, you shot a big moose. Yeah. But 
we were trying to decide whether you'd end up like ultimately mounting it because Brady loves to mount stuff or mm-hmm. if you would just do like a Euro. All right. So there I was. <laughs> <laughs> so there I was, yeah. literally knife in hand, cutting up some hide. All right. Not still, I, I kind of made up my mind beforehand, but I started cutting up the hide, started lifting some of that, those pieces of hide up as I was like quartering and stuff. And I was like, yeah, there's no way we're doing a shoulder mount, bud. No. I turned to Brian and I was like, no way. And he's like, yeah, I'm so glad you said that because there's no way we're carrying it. Was <laughs> it uh, due to weight then? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. Like I was literally looking at the hide. The hide is like an inch thick. Yes. Like just, just shy of an inch thick. It's, so like literally just grabbing it when, you're, when I'm like, you know, skinning it and quartering it out. It got so heavy. Like we don't know what the hide weighs. I'm not going to really put a number on it, but it's definitely over hundred pounds. Yeah. Like if you did a full, full it's, like it's a whole nother load. Yeah. If you did a full shoulder, and then, then some, because you have to get behind it a little bit, because I like to do crazy turns and all that stuff. So it'd be a lot of hide. So I started looking at it. Like, you look at the hind quarter, you have to keep bone in. That's 100, 130, 140 pounds. Mm-hmm. Front shoulders are 110. All the other meat. The rack was 71 pounds. Then you 71? Throw 71 pounds Holy on a TSA hell. scale. Yeah. Oh, shit. And that's no hide on it. Yeah. That's just Whoa. skull and antlers. So, yeah, just a Euro mount. Is there any part of you that wishes you'd mounted it since I you got know. home? We know the answer to that question. I mean, even even me, which yeah. I don't mount anything, and I skull cap mine. I didn't even euro it. Yeah. I've had times where I thought, ah, I'll never have probably the opportunity to mount a moose again. I kind of, I kind of wish I had. Yeah. But then I look at the price, and yeah, it's I like I, I could go on another hunt for that. What What is it? What's the price? I, don't I think know. it's like over two and a half grand, maybe three grand. For probably, a shoulder? For a moose. big shoulder, yeah. Yeah, and then they're huge. They're huge. They take up and so you, much wall you space. You're have to cut the antler off, right? Because you yeah. can't get it through a door. You can't get it through a door. I think they sit off the wall literally like four feet. <laughs> just think of that. Yeah, and then their shoulders up, are so deep. Well, the actual chest Yeah, like they, they just take up so much deep. space. And, and so it was a big decision, too, because we were five and a half miles from wall, our wall tent. All right. We were, ba- we, were, we were backpack Definitely hunting for moose, close. which is probably not smart. But it's where we, we do what we have to do to find the moose. Yeah. But then it was a little over two miles to a different lake. So we had to pack the moose to a little over two miles to a different lake or go five and a half to our, to our main camp. base camp. Yeah. So that two and a half miles sucked. I'm sure. It sucked trying to pack a bull away. Then I'm like, if it was closer, like if I was in a float hunt, or something where I'm only packing at like 800,000 yards, then maybe I would do a shoulder mount later on in my life. You but like, would do a shoulder mount in your life. Maybe. <laughs> they're cool. They're so cool. They're, 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 I, I, lo- I do love a Euro though, because my Canadian bull that I killed, I have that Euro. Mm-hmm. And now I have, you know, Alaskan Yukon. You're going to have a Euro. So now I just need that Shiras. Now I'm really excited about trying to draw Shiras. Yeah, today. yeah. I'm one moose away from the moose lamb. But then, then if you thing? kill a Shiras, you get a mount in or you want Euro? Gotta go Euro at Euro at this I point. Have, to have, have the trifecta. I have the trifecta Euro, yeah. Yeah, you have to at this point. You <laughs> yeah. wanna know what's crazy? As much like thinking through this and listening to you guys talk, like I still have a first to be done, which yeah. is when lucky are you going next year? as lucky as a shithead as I've been in hunting and all the opportunity I've had and like as a kid, all this stuff. I have never been on a dead moose ever. Not even someone else's. Yeah. I've never seen a moose dead on the ground. It's hard to describe. I, and so thinking, to, listening to you guys talk and thinking through it, you know, everyone's first. I've taken a lot of people to kill elk. I've mm-hmm. taken a lot of people. And their first experience of like walking up to an elk is like, holy shit, I didn't know yeah, they big. were this big. Like I listening to you guys talk, I'm still, I still have that, like that experience to go. 
and yeah. see that. I've never seen it. Like literally. So the cool thing was like the first bull I killed was 10 years ago, 10 years ago, to, almost to the day, like September, September 15th, 2013 was the first moves. And you killed that in BC, BC right? Yeah. 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 Yep. And then this moves obviously a lot bigger antlers, bigger body, but like walking up to it and literally trying to move the head impossible. Yeah. I'd, I'd, it blows me, blows my mind away every time you get on a moose and you try to touch it and move it. Even trying to grab a leg, even trying to, like I said, just, so just moving crazy. it to position its head to try to get harvest photos. Like you're both, Brian and I were literally both grabbing the rack and pulling it, shoving tripods underneath the backside of the, of the palm, trying to like hold that thing up and make sure Nothing. it stays there. Like, and it kept falling over. It would knock the tripod over. It's so immensely heavy. And I didn't know Brady told me, and you've done this obviously too. You can't bone it out. No bone in. That's so wild. Yeah. An animal's that big, and you're not allowed to bone it out. Yeah, I think you can separate a leg joint, yep. but you keep, but you still have to keep muscle on muscle bone. On bone. Yeah, in fact, that so out. So you're, you're you're packing a lot of weight. A lot of weight. I mean, a hind quarter, the actual ham itself is probably. I don't know, 130 pounds maybe, yeah. I would say. It's heavy. It's heavy. What would you, How their bones are so big. Yeah, dense. Like how much Extra how much weight? weight would you drop if you could bone it out? Ooh, I don't know. Because you lot. can drop a shitload they of weight lot. boning out yeah. an elk, like a mm -hmm. lot of weight. Yeah. Very noticeable amount of weight when you bone out an elk. Yeah, a lot. I don't so know. So I can't even imagine what. I wonder if they do that. Do you think they do that just to discourage take? Pe yeah, people, in, people in like saying, oh, yeah, this was, whatever, cut this little chunk off and chuck it or whatever. Yeah. But it's like moose meat is so good. I understand why anyone would want to leave moose I have meat in had, the field. I have had moose meat. My very first stone hunt in BC, the very first day I showed up to base camp, we had moose that night. And I'm like, holy shit, this is good. Yeah. It's the first it's time I ever had elk. it. I, I think thought it's it was pretty damn good. <laughs> I thought it was really it's good. It's not. Really? No. Man, I, 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 I like the... Awesome. I don't, I don't know what it has. It's, it's like a, I don't know if it's like a musky sweet flavor to it. I just like I was like telling that. you, I think I told you on the phone, people have asked like, what does it taste like to me? And I don't even know this will make sense, but this is what it tastes like to me. It tastes like alfalfa is it's blooming smells. It's kind of a it's sweet, like, grassy. Oh. I don't know if you could come to it, but to me, that's what it tastes like. You're really in touch with your senses. Uh, yeah. You can explain bit of, that. Bit of a connoisseur. I should have, I should have been a sommelier, right? Yeah. But, but uh, I'm struggling though, good. since I didn't shoulder mount it. Mm -hmm. And all of our office walls have what aluminum metal studs everywhere. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to hang this euro up in this office. I'm going to get a big uh, little cut plate of Alaska outline. Oh, you are for the euro cool. to sit on. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's really cool. We got the guy. We got our our guy. He'll, yeah, he's, he'll figure it out. He's, he's got all homie. that shit. Yeah, he's, he's got moved all my that. mounts like thirty times in this office. Yeah. He'll yeah, that's the other thing. It. If that thing falls off a wall, you'll feel it. Oh yeah, it's gonna shake the <laughs> shake your office. Oh yeah, shake the wall. No, Yikes! I'm, I'm excited to see that. It's, I think it's done. I just gotta find the time to coordinate to go grab my euro. Yeah, that's cool. How yeah. wide is it again? Sixty-one and sixty-one and three eighths. I'm not a math guy. What's six feet? Uh, six. Twelve, twenty-four, thirty-six, forty-eight, sixty. It's five foot. Five it's foot two inches five foot, wide. Two five inches foot, wide. Yeah, five foot one. So like it's like even in a truck bed. Oh, it, it literally touches. Yeah, both I have a short box. Yeah, it touches the whole back of my truck. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, even if you had a six foot bed, like to put it in perspective, like you see it in the in the woods, you're like, damn, that's really big. And you, you like try to lift up the first time, and it's just like you need almost two people to grab it all the time. Like it's so heavy, oh, and then shit. you finally mm -hmm. get out of the woods, 
in, into some place. Like we threw it in the, I got a rental vehicle when I was in Alaska and threw it in the back there. I'm like, this thing just dwarfs the whole truck. <laughs> it's so amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. When I shot mine, I shipped, we shipped it back via air cargo mm-hmm. and it flew back into Salt Lake and I had to go in and pick it up. And so I got notification that it was there and uh, I just, you know, wrapped it in cardboard. You know, you see, you know mm-hmm. what I'm, you know what I'm talking about. You put saran card, wrap, yeah, all saran the wrap, cardboard yeah. around all the palms. Every point's got to have some sort of, you know, hose or something yeah. on it or foam. But, I mean, it looks like a moose rack sitting there, you know, oh, wrapped yeah. up in cardboard. But I remember I rolled in and uh, there was the guy standing there at the counter. And I said, yeah, I need to pick, you know, pick up a package. And he's like, well, what is it? And, you know, number. And I was like, it's, it's a moose. It looks like a moose. <laughs> and he's like, oh, shit. He's like, we've been waiting to see who's going to show up and pick this thing up. And like, he's like, yeah, just one sec. So he goes out and he gets it. And a bunch of guys come over and he's like, would you cut that off? Can we see it? And I was like, yeah, sure. So we took an exacto knife and cut all of it off and those guys that's sat awesome they were pumped about yeah it. they were pumped really about cool. it it was pretty yeah. cool yeah it's pretty funny you but killed a big one too right really yeah. big one how big was yours i checked the other day um i remember when i killed it thinking in that we'd measured at 61 so i measured it again the other day and it was like 60 and a quarter something like that so it's over 60 it's over 60 yeah it's yeah. giant yeah just over 60 just they're just barely. so big when they get that when they hit the 60 yeah. inch mark oh yeah. I've never, I've never seen it. I've seen them on the hoof while I've well, been up there go. sheep hunting. You better I don't, you put that one on the list I know it's, 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 it's on my, I mean, I'd be lying if I said I'm not interested in going to shoot. Of course I want to, right? Like <laughs> yeah. I've seen them on the hoof. I want to, but at this stage in my life, like I, I don't know how I would sacrifice any of these other hunts that you, I still want to do it for that. You're giving you know up I mean? September. Yeah. And it's, I'm it's so many days of travel. To I'm get, not willing to give up archery deer and and rutting elk i'm not i'm just not ready for that yet maybe the year i went i went elk hunting and shot a bull and then i went the last 10 days of september so you could do it maybe you should oh you already shot a mountain caribou it's doable i was gonna say you could do a combo like mountain caribou yeah moose hunt i got i got lucky with that if you're you're going to hunt moose just go hunt moose yeah because once you kill one you're like okay i got um, i got a lot of work ahead of me (laughs) yeah and like i i want to do it but it is crazy to think how many people I've hunted with too, and I've never seen one on the ground. Never yeah. even been with somebody moose hunting. Yeah, you got to. Brady, yeah. would you go again? I, I think about it quite a bit since I've been back. Since I, I literally shot a moose of my dreams, you know, it's mm-hmm. like I would. On, in a hard how, how soon? Next year? Or no, are, like, gonna, are you itching like, to get back? Or are you just? Like, I, I'm yeah. kind of itching to get back, but there's so many other things in the United States that I still want to explore and experience, mm-hmm. like. You know, I still want to do a caribou hunt. I still want to do a sick of blacktail. I want to do a Columbia blacktail eventually. Yeah. I want to start doing these other cool things. You know, I want to experience, you know, mountain caribou at some mm. point in my life. So it's hard to say I'd just go back to for moose, but it was such a fun, fun hunt. I loved every second of it. Would Did you it. go back? Yeah, but if you'd asked me the year following or even the year after that, like two, three years post, I'd have said no because it was just so much freaking work. Like, yeah. I mean, we killed two bulls, so we packed meat, I think, for the better part of four days. And then, you know, just had a horrendous ride back down the river to get to town. And then That's one of the best stories ever, though. Yeah, and then we cut meat up for a full day and a half, and that was just trimmed to put in boxes, you know, to fly home. And, like, I think I've said this before, but I remember going out and just grabbing quarters, and I remember at one point asking Steve, like, how many how many quarters does a moose have? Because it just felt like it no matter how many ending. times I went out the front door, there was another quarter sitting there, and I was just like, holy shit, this is never going to end. Yeah. <laughs> 
It just <laughs> felt, and there was, I mean, we had totes like laid out all over, you know, this kitchen, this little place that we'd rented in. They were just all just chuck full of meat. It was just yeah. a whole kitchen full of totes, full of meat everywhere you looked. Just moose meat everywhere you looked. Yeah, because I, I, I did enjoy the logistical nightmare that a, a moose hunt is. Like, you enjoyed not, it or didn't enjoy I, it? I did. Oh, really? Even on the hunt, like every single day, it's a logistical nightmare. Like, where do we go? Do we go this far? We saw a moose over there. If we go over there, we can spike camp. But then we're going to have to deal with it if we kill that moose. How are we mm -hmm. going to get that somewhere we can get it out? And once you get it out, dealing with like trying to rent a vehicle, mm -hmm. no cell phone service, trying to drive around these little towns, trying to deal with all that, how to get it home. Like I enjoyed just constantly thinking the whole entire hunt. Mm. I do want to go back and bow hunt one, though. You do? Mm -hmm. You would do it again? Oh, yeah. Now I would. Yeah, now. But like I said, the first couple of years back, I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I think if I shot one with my bow, you know, a good one, I think that would that'd be good for be me. Done. Yeah, yeah. I think that, the bow hunt one I did was a riot. Yeah, like oh, it was so fun being that and close. I, yeah, and I could have shot. I mean, the first day I could have shot a bull with a bow, a good bull, like a sixty-inch bull, and I just you know first night forty yards. I was like, oh, it'd be cool to shoot one from 10, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I kind of screwed that up. But, yeah, I would like to go back and do it one time with a bow and just go on. I actually want to do – I told my wife she's not real pumped about the idea. but um, I'm, I'm already loving I, this. I would like uh, to, exactly. Yeah, I, I would like, like to do like 15 days solo for moose with a bow Ooh. and just see if I can figure it out. See if Solo? I can, yeah, just, That's just to be alone. Because I, I will say, even with a buddy out there, you go out there, you know, you get up in the morning, you know, you pop out the front of your tent and you look across the landscape, like you feel tiny, just totally like you don't even, like you're a speck. Yeah. yeah. It just, and then I think to be completely alone, I don't know, I kind of want to see what that feels like. Just, Only you trail. Just Only to be you. like really alone and really out there for a, for a while and just see what it's like. And it's like it's like Brady said, it's logistics logistics of like actually hunting them and like I I, I I'm interested in that challenge of like doing mm -hmm. it. So maybe hmm. maybe one of these yeah. years I'll do it. I think the next one I do, I want to take my brothers, maybe both my brothers, and then my other friend uh, buddy. Uh, I want to take all of them, maybe moose hunting. I don't think we'd be able to take all out. I was going to say, least. that's the one thing is you, I know guys that go party, like not party hunting, and you know, but they go yeah, with a, big, a, a group, a group yeah. and they've all, you know, you might have five guys with five tags and I'm just like, how do you navigate that? I don't think I would want every, that. Every moose you knock down is three days of packing. Yeah, meat. I wouldn't want to do that. I would say maybe like you and one other dude or maybe yeah. another, but, and even if somebody was just wanting to go, that would just be okay with being a packer. Packer, and, yeah, and I could do that. That'd be the way to do it. It's so wild to think in those, in those terms, in, in the, though that many days of packing because you kill an elk right and it's a lot of work like omar and i we killed the elk but still mm -hmm. it's it's a day it's one day it's yeah. not three days yeah and to think that it's just that much more mm -hmm. you know what i mean like omar and i we we killed that bull at night we boned it out through the night and we got up and started hiking out and we were back to the truck at you yeah. know six or seven at night it was one day yeah, you just have to think of it in terms of like this is a marathon. I don't know, oh, man. I don't know. Instead of like a day of packing, you're thinking like, okay, maybe two, maybe three, depending on what. And then throw, throwing all those alders and willows everywhere, and just rain and, and brown bears. Just take a machete for chopping. Mm -hmm. No, just did bo some bush crashing. Mm -hmm. How many trips? Did you keep track of how many trips? Uh, I mean, after I killed it, we dropped down to meadow. That was one. <laughs> You're going to add it up here on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So one. Get ready two, for some intense listening, folks. Yeah. <laughs> I think with all of us total, it was eight or nine trips. Yeah. It's a lot. 
I think of those two bulls we killed, it took me, so my bull, it took seven and him six for mine. And then for his bull, I think it was seven and six. So yeah. 13 is what we figured for yeah. one bull. And we, we kept doing leapfrog. We would leapfrog it to meadow to meadow mm-hmm. and then come back up and bring it down to another meadow and then go through the hellish part and going through the alders and... What would the trips be then? So you'd be one per quarter, right? So there's four right there. Then head. You've got, yeah, the head. The head has to come out last. You got ribs. So that's six. All the neck meat. All ribs. Yeah, ribs, ribs, neck neck. meat, brisket, everything. I mean, essentially when you leave, All edible portions, yeah. Alaska, you leave a carcass. I mean, it looks like it's been just stripped. Yeah. Yeah, to the bone. I remember I I shot a Sitka blacktail on Kodiak. And, you know, you hear all the horror stories of like, oh, you have to be just meticulous with, you know, mm-hmm. getting all the meat off and everything. And I remember a guy I was with who had a lot more experience hunting Alaska than I had. I remember him coming up to the carcass of this buck that I just, you know, pulled everything off. And he was like, dude, it looked like a lion had licked that thing clean. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I had taken, which is, I mean, it's good. I'm, I mean, you know. yeah, but it, it's, it's different for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's the same thing with stone sheep though. All yeah. edible, all edible portions. Mm-hmm. Which oh, is good. Yeah, oh, I mean, it's great. that rib meat's awesome, too. Mm-hmm. Really yeah. good. The best to me is always a moose heart. Do you every, heart? Moose, every moose I've been on, I've been on quite a few because the BC hunt, we killed three total in camp. Now this one's four. Did you take the heart? Oh, yeah, we took the heart. Did you eat Br- it? Brian and I literally, so, well, I don't want to dive into all the details, but I mentioned on my Instagram thing, like we had two days of no food. Mm-hmm. Like we went over there with no food expecting to kill. And then I, luckily I did you, kill. You left with no food? No, we, 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 we dropped down. <laughs> There's nothing like creating your yeah. necessity. Yeah. We were only planning on being gone for two days yeah. op- on opening day. And I ended up not getting back to base camp until six days later. Mm-hmm. And so the night that I killed was the seventh. And so we had been out there the fifth. The sixth was our full last day of food. So that night before I killed my moose, that was our last bit of food. So the morning we woke up on the 7th, had no food. Mm-hmm. All we had was coffee. And then so that whole day, finally killed my bull middle of the day. That whole afternoon, didn't eat anything while we were cutting up the moose. That night, we gorged on you moose. You were just eating raw moose meat. <laughs> that, that, that whole night, we gorged ourselves on moose heart, rendered, I mean, rendered down moose fat yeah. to cook in. And then we were literally just eating moose fat like it's Skittles. Moose fat literally tastes absolutely phenomenal. Come on. No joke. Cody Boar, what do you think? No, no, like, I'm, you guys know me in food. <laughs> you guys know me in food, so everyone's like, oh, yeah, Brady just thinks food is fuel and not fun, and he'll eat anything in the world. But it's like that moose fat tastes just as good as, like, a big old beef steak fat. Like, you're cutting off that prime rib fat. Like, it is phenomenal. I mean, they live phenomenal. in the swamps, man. It's, it's, it's absolutely phenomenal. I hate to call bullshit, but no. I just... <laughs> no, no. Dude. So we were rendering down the moose fat. And then eating the little cracklings and then also having the moose heart cooked in the moose fat. Mm-hmm. So literally for that night, that next morning, it was like two days later that Ryan had to go back to our base camp, resupply food for us. And he hauled a bunch of food out for us. But literally for like a day and a half, we just had moose, moose mm-hmm. heart. Huh. That was the only food we had was protein. And we had, you know, a bunch of berries and stuff like that that we'd find. I'm not a big heart eater. I love heart. The only time I ever Every eat animal I kill, the only time I ever eat is when I'm like that. I've eaten it in Alaska a number of times of animals that have killed, but other than that, I'm not a very, yeah, I'm not, I'm a, not, big, I'm not, not a big, not a big heart. It's like the best, it's a, it's, it's a giant chunk of meat. I think, yeah, people need yeah, to, yeah. I, think, I think people need to not think of it as an organ 
and think of it as a chunk of meat. Let me ask it is. It is a muscle. Do you, yeah. do you eat it because you genuinely like the taste of I, it? I genuinely like the taste. Objectively, no, I answer yeah, this I do. question. I do. <laughs> do you genuinely like the taste of it or do you eat it because of like the nuance of like no, eating I, a heart? heart. Yeah. I, I generally like the taste. All right, fair enough. Do you like the taste? No, it's not no. my favorite. Yeah. It's not so much the taste as it is like a texture. It's got yeah, kind of a weird how, texture. Again, yeah. same with liver. Just not my. I'm not a big fan of liver either. Again, you have to say you have to take everything that I say about food with a grain of salt because I'm the guy who will grind back straps. True. That so is like, true. You grind heart? No. Heart steak. <laughs> <No. laughs> like why, why would you even ask that, Trail? I mean, I'll grind a back strap, but I won't grind a heart. By damn. Like, look at the a moose heart is literally like. You just have to understand how, how bass backwards that sounds, right? I know. I mean, I, I get it. I hear you, but just is different. Yeah, yeah, I can't even believe you'd ask that question, Trail. Yeah, I know. So we get to the real topic at hand. <laughs> let's let's, get uh, let's do promo it. first. You want to do promo? Yeah. I'm going to do promo. Okay, hit us. So right now, through the 29th of October, uh, we have a special promo going on. So if you use the promo code podcast and you sign up for a Go Hunt Insider account, you can actually get a hundred points back. Holy gosh, really? Which is a hundred bucks that you can use towards the purchase of anything you want in the Go Hunt gear shop. Uh, if you want to sign up for the maps portion of the platform, which is Explorer, you can get 50 points back. So you get 50 states for 50 bucks, you get 50 points back. So wait, we're signing up for maps only. It's 50 bucks. You're going to give us 50 bucks back. Yeah, that's it. And you get all 50 states oh. on maps. So it's 50, 50, 50. Some essentially, would say. it's a freebie. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Renzo's giving free stuff away. I mean, what a guy. What a guy. Goes up, kills you know, a sheep, comes back. He's like, you know what? Freebies. <laughs> Mason's still pissed off, but hey, he lives in Boise. He can't hurt me from there. Yeah, that's right. He's got to come all the way Keep here to hurt Boise. me. He's a big man. Yeah. He's, I won't do this while he's here. I just yeah. do this while he's in Boise. So use that promo code podcast. And now's a great time. I mean, I'm already looking. Isn't it? It's, it's kind of depressing, to be honest, on how quickly when I get back home. It's like next day, usually. Like I, I get my to my computer. I'm back looking at draws, yeah, and I'm looking at points for next year. I have my year. elk hunt figured out for next year. Yeah, see what I mean? <laughs> Literally, isn't that crazy? It's October 17th, and I know exactly my yeah. elk hunt for next year. I'm, I'm starting. That's to, how much I've been on. I know. I'm already starting to put together the 2024 application deadline article. I'm getting all that Wild. information ready to yeah. drop out there for everyone. And then, you know, we have Idaho OTC. That's going to be a big article talking about how to mm-hmm. navigate that system. Arizona's coming up on December 1st as well. Like. Yep. There's a lot of things you need to start researching for right now. Yep. And so you got to do it during the hunting season. Get an account. And there's also still a lot of hunting to be done, which mm-hmm. is what we're going to talk a, lot, a little bit yeah. about. We're going to talk, uh, we've got Brady's favorite time of year, late season rifle hunts. You guys all love September, but this is where, <laughs> this is the most exciting time of year right now. Yes. We want to do late season hacks, if you will. Talking mule deer, elk. Anything else you guys want to potentially hunt late survival. season? Survival. Yep. So we wanted to talk some late season hacks. I got a bunch of questions that I wanted to ask okay. that I, I made on the way down today. Let's do a bunch of gear ones first. Are you, you texting and driving trail? No. Text no, is you alleged, noting, noting and driving. <laughs> it's a straight stretch. There's a lot of straight between in here in Vegas. There is a lot of straight. I'm sure I'll get lit up for that. Uh, oh, well. Don't, don't text and drive, kids. <laughs> <laughs> and adults. Uh, you want gear ones first? Yeah, like, like so, we have a lot of good okay. gear, gear so ones. One, on. one of the most common questions I get in regards to late season hunts, and I think it's probably one of the biggest factors in late season, is how do you stay warm? So let's talk layering first. Let's, how do you stay warm? 
And how do you approach clothing as far as late season hunts? Uh, I mean, people have heard it talked a million times, but late season clothing is a, it's a system. Like you have to have a full system from next to skin, all the way out to outer layers, all the way out to puffies, all the way out to something mm-hmm. that blocks the wind and the cold. Merino or synthetic for you? Uh, I'm a synthetic guy through okay. and through, but I will throw on a Merino legging base layer. Gotcha. Zip offs. So a new one from Sitka I use. Uh, I'm switching over in the late season to Timberline pants mm-hmm. because I just love the durable knee pads. I love the little reinforced backside so I can sit down in some snow. Waterproof. And, yep. Gore-Tex in the butt. Yep. So the thing is what I'm saying, like building a whole system here is like you want layers that you can take on and off very quickly. Hmm. So it's annoying. Gonna, yeah, it's very it annoying because so <laughs> you, you, so you also annoying. don't want to be the person because it's always cold in the morning. So you mm-hmm. don't want to throw on a bunch of those layers Start hiking up a mountain with a heavy pack on, rifle, optics, all that stuff, and then start sweating right away. Have you ever done? Have you ever been with somebody that's done that? Oh, it's the yeah. worst. And then oh, you're, yeah. you're literally stopping within <laughs> ten minutes, and then they're de-layering everything. One of my favorites is like if you have a camera guy or a buddy that that isn't really used to it, and they get out of the truck, or you hit, you know, first thing in the morning, you climb out of your tent, and it's freezing cold, and they're like completely layered, and I'm like, we're about to climb that face, that's that a thousand right foot, yeah. Like, I know that you're cold right now. I'm cold too, but, the, but you, be you, cold right you've got to take that off. Yeah. And they're like, nope, not doing it. And you get halfway up it, completely sweated out, and you're yeah. like, now we're in now we're in real hurt. Yeah, because like those people will, they don't want to uh, say, hey, let's stop. So they'll force through it, hike all the way up there with all that stuff. Now they're completely sweated out at everything. Mm-hmm. All right? So now you're trying to glass. But what's that person doing? They're freezing cold, so they're moving around, they're fidgety. Maybe they want to start a fire, and then they're like, we're glassing right now. We can start a fire at noon in the middle of the day and we're doing some long distance glassing. Like de-layer right away in the morning, but mm-hmm. carry all these layers with you to be able to add them on as you slow down and, and yeah. uh, get set up. So it's like literally a Timberline pants. I have full on puffy pants, you know. Mm-hmm. I have, if it's depending on the hunt, I have packed in uh, some parka, like that sick of blizzard parka. Mm-hmm. I've taken that for my pants as well because I do get cold sitting there glassing and I want to be comfortable so I'm carrying a lot of layers on these late season hunts just because of that reason. Like I want to obviously survive, but then I have to, you know, try to sit there and glass and be, more layers are going to be more comfortable. So I'm putting in multiple, you know, insulation pieces on the top, mm-hmm. usually like the um, ambient Kelvin light down. You know, I have this blizzard parka I'll start throwing on too and backpack with the blizzard parka, which seems crazy. But again, I'm, you know. You got to stay warm. Got to yeah. stay warm. I'm six foot five, pretty skinny. So no lot of fat on me, so I get cold really easily. Renzo, you get cold? Very. You do? I'm a desert rat. Extremities? Your arms, legs? I mean, what, like, I mean honestly, you, you, hands and toes, I mean, like the normal, but my core body temperature will get really cold. Cold. Yeah, like I'm, I'm a desert rat, born and raised in Vegas. Like I do not do well with like those crazy cold temperatures and just sitting there. So I, the system is a, is a big deal for me. What do you do for your hands and feet? So typically my feet, you will, you saved my feet, honestly, if I'm going to give you the full credit here. And, uh, it just literally just happened when I was in Canada, but to have, did you take down booties? I did. Did I took down booties and they were fantastic. There's a lot of times that I've used down booties where it's the warmest part of my body. It was normally that's never the case. It was the warmest part of my body and it was fantastic. So I wore, I wore the Ortles Ascent. Salewa mm-hmm. boots, right? Just Gore-Tex lined. There's a slight bit of insulation into it, but not a ton. 
Um, and obviously hiking like crazy. Like I don't want to just mm-hmm. completely sweat my feet out. Love those boots. Awesome. But every time we'd get to a point where we would just sit in glass for rams because glass and for sheep is takes forever. How cold was it? Pretty cold. One day was like single digits beyond. Yeah. Beyond <laughs> cold. Yeah. Like one day was water bottle frozen within the first like 10 minutes. Gotcha. Of just completely froze through. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of the days were cold, but the highs would be like high thirties, low forties, mm-hmm. but those gray skies. So no sun warmth. I only yeah. had sun warmth like one of the days. Um, but the, at, man, every time we'd sit down, I'd peel my boots off and go to the down booties, and I'm saved there. What'd like, you do with I am your boots? Good to go. I just set them set right them next up. to me. Yeah, just set them right next to me. Sometimes I'd put I'll them, put them in my pack, or well, I put my down pant mm-hmm. over them if I wasn't using my down. I don't know if that did anything, but yeah. like just try to insulate some of that foot heat that I put into them. I don't know if it worked because every time I'd put them back on, we just go on a straight bomb of a hike. So like, gotcha. who knows if that worked or not? Um, but my feet, like that, that solved the puzzle for my feet. My hands, especially bow hunting. So I told you guys two years ago when I shot a bull in Colorado with my bow, and it was cold. I shot with gloves on, I'm, and I, I I'm curious hated to ask it. you this because I've been practicing with gloves on because I've got this November archery deer tag in yeah. Nevada, and I've been shooting like the last week in the mornings with a glove on. Yeah. You know my hand, my grip hand. Yeah. Doesn't feel right. I'm getting more used to it. I what, hated what did you do? Because there are situations, and I can picture this. You know, you stock in onto a buck, and you know he's better, and you've got him better, and you have to wait for two and a half, three hours mm-hmm. for him to stand up, and it's 25 degrees out. I mean, what are you going to do? You got to have yeah. a glove on, right? Or what? Or what do you do? Yeah. Tell me so what you do. What I did. So ever since that day in Colorado that that happened, I made a horrible, a a shot that should have been just an absolute layup, bull bugling in my face, should have been like one of those things in my head that lives on forever. Mm -hmm. Just like, oh man, that moment was so awesome. Bulls bugling, spins around perfectly broadside, 40, I think it was 46 or 47 yards. I made a horrible shot. Luckily I found him a couple days later, but um, I just felt like shit, you know, like Mm -hmm. I didn't want my hands to be cold. That's why I did that. And then I made a horrible shot. The bull's wounded now and got to take a couple of the, anyways, it's been on my mind forever. And I swore that day I would never shoot with gloves on. So I started thinking about it, thinking about it. I take the hand warmers. Like Johnny hand warmer. Yeah. Okay. So like good tip. And I leave them in the wrapper until mm-hmm. I'm going on a stock. Cause you never know if an archery stock is going to work out mm-hmm. or not. So I don't open them until like you're going after an animal. So what I did with this sheep is in my zipper pockets right here, like the kangaroo pocket. I put them both in there and, uh, as we were stalking, I would just hold my bow with a glove on. Mm-hmm. And then as we got closer to where, like, you're doing those last, you know, 30, 40 yards, took my glove off. And every time I would stop, I would just put my hands right back in my kangaroo mm-hmm. pocket and kind of rub the heat and move on and move on and move on. And that's what I did. And I know not every situation is going to be like this, but I also, the rams were bedded. And uh, so I kind of had a second to, like, mm-hmm. like hold make on sure my hands were pretty warm. And then I took them out did the whole process and you know, my hands were only outside for a couple yeah. minutes maybe, but that's, that's what I've decided to start doing. Yeah. I don't like shooting with a glove on. It I hate it. It doesn't feel quite right. I hate it. I won't, even, I won't even shoot a rifle with a glove on. <laughs> yeah. I, I, mean, don't, I don't like to feel that trigger with the glove. What do you do with your hands? Do you oh. glassing mitts? What yeah. Do you, so I won't, I, I get made fun of a lot for my well, glass. I carry, for sure too. I, I carry yeah. multiple pairs of how many, uh, I have the traverse glove, I have gunner glove, and then I'll most of the time have a, uh, 
either the ultimates from outdoor research mm-hmm. or I'll have Sika blizzard mitts, depending on how cold it's going to be. The ultimates are literally, I, I call them like my Everest, gl- like my Everest mittens. So what are you doing with, I mean, the Traverse and then the Gunner Glove are very similar as far as weight goes. I mean, how are you, are you, la- are I'm you layering, layering in, in, those? In so each you're putting other. the Gunner I'm put, I'm, on first? I'm putting the Traverse on first oh, okay. and then the Gunner over it. And that actually does get me by a lot if I'm just moving around. Mm-hmm. But if I'm sitting down glassing, then I kind of get cold and then I'll swap over to a mitten when I'm glassing. But hiking around, I'm totally fine with pretty much that setup and like doing camp chores. That's why I love the gunner gloves because that little leather on the outside. Mm-hmm. And then just throwing on glassing mitts. Like glassing mitts are literally a lifesaver when you're out there. You I need agree. those glassing mitts. And then you can also, you know, I can combo it differently. Like I can have the outer shell take out the down in the middle and then maybe add the traverse glove in there or keep the down mitt on the inside, put my yeah. traverse inside that. And like you still have some dexterity to work a spotting scope focus, to work your binocular focus knob, but you do, you do lose some, but you're able mm-hmm. to still focus with the wheel on there. That's that you have a better, you have a better setup. I use those outdoor research down. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what they're called, but holy shit, they are warm. Yeah. The transcendent. Yeah. If, it, yeah, if yeah. it's the transcendent, mm-hmm. that's what so I've got. Warm. And yeah. then I go from and that. light. Super light. That's why. Mm-hmm. That's why I brought them. And then I go from that to the Stone Glacier Grapple Glove, mm-hmm. which is like just that fleece because yep. holding a bow and yep. all that metal just helps that. And then I move from that to bare hands and then the the hand warmers. Gotcha. Yeah. Footwear though. I was going to ask you about footwear. What do you think about insulated boots? Oh, this is why I love late season hunts. I love late season footwear. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it too. I oh, hate, I hate it. it. I, I love. The older I get, the less I like late season. The only thing I don't like about hunting mostly with a bow in September is that when September's over, then I'm like kind of bored for the rest of the fall. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like everybody else is still yeah. out hunting, you know, and I'm like sitting there behind my desk, but I don't like cold weather. Well, my, my footwear, I love putting on a pack boot. So what do you use for a pack boot? I use the, uh, the Schnee's. I don't remember what, what it's called, but mm-hmm. it have the Schnee's pack boot. It's like the big tall one, like the 16 inch. Like clear up over the calf? Hell yeah. How I'm many up. how many grams of insulation are we talking? Uh, metric shit ton. <laughs> that's how it says <laughs> in the product that's, description. That's, that's what they need, they need to change it to. The metric shit ton pack boot. <laughs> yeah. Insulated pack and so I, I even take it to another level too. So like the pack boots, you know, they have a lot of flex. But mm-hmm. like... I just love the classic look of a pack boot. I love being able to tuck my Timberlines into it and not so wear it's gators. it's the look of it. It's not functional. I just, I just love the... You guys know me. I'm an old school hunter. I love the old school vibes. Do you wear a Stormy Chromer? The, the vibes are cool. I, I will give you that. It is a cool vibe. I don't think Stormy Chromers are that warm, so I've never worn one. Mm. But uh, on the inside... But they look cool. They look cool. Flannel? They look cool. I do own one. Fur on I do own one, but I've never worn it hunting. Okay. There's um, still time. But the inside of my pack boot, though, I take a wool liner... Like a big, thick, half-inch wool, like liner, like for a footbed, and I'll put that in there so it adds an extra insulation piece on the bottom. To, on the bottom, okay. And then you know, I double layer socks. I have like whatever it is, the Farm to Feet, mm-hmm. um, with it, Farm to Feet Alaskan, and then I have a liner sock underneath that as well. So you wear two pairs of socks. Two pairs of socks in the late season hunt, because also too, because my feet are so skinny, so I need to add some extra volume to it to uh, make Do a. Your feet wet slider. out when you're hiking in those? Mm-mm. Never. I don't, I don't, do you I'm ever not, take them off or you just leave those on? Like you're, you sit down to glass for three I, I, hours I do, I on do a knoll? I, I do the same thing you. I do bring some down. Oh, ladies. you do? Yeah. But the, the times I have to pop those out is not as extreme as maybe you because my boots are so warm to begin yeah. with that my yeah. feet just are golden wearing those. And I would imagine your feet are just warmer yeah. naturally too. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate. My feet don't really sweat a ton, so I don't get a lot of moisture in there. What type of hunts are you taking a pack boot on? 
Because a pack boot, te- technically a pack boot is pack pack stock. Yeah, you know, you're thinking yeah. horseback hunt. Yeah. You're, you're yep. thinking doing chores and. Mm-hmm. So I, I do get that question a lot, and I will. I'll hike in a pack boot. I'll hike up some steep, big mountains still in it. Yeah, but like, let's say you're going on a November, you know, third season Colorado deer hunt yep. in historical, like steep, nasty deer terrain. You're wearing mm-hmm. a pack boot. Then that, that, that's, that's the determining factor. If it's going to be super steep and nasty and not like brutally below zero cold, even if it is a little bit below zero, but steep and nasty, I'll be taking the Kentrick Mountain Extreme 1,000 oh. grams. Hmm. Thousand. Thousand. Hmm. That is a metric shit ton. That is so a that's, lot. That's, that's my uh, insulation rating name, metric shit ton. Both of those are metric <laughs> shit ton. Of insulation. You like insulated boots? No, I hate them. Me too. My feet sweat that's out was, and then I'm cold. So I, I was, don't. I was really struggling on what to do. Like I was hunting sheep in october but up north it literally was a late season huh? yeah like there was i mean it's snow october patches. yeah Canada. i mean it was it was cold <laughs> it was really the one day especially. they're already playing ice hockey well, out there exactly <laughs> no i'm not it is and it's getting up there like oh it's historically warm this year and i'm looking around like fuck this is warm yeah like, holy shit the one day like holy hell it was cold and uh my problem is i'm a sweater like I, Me I'm too. a, I'm a Italian sausage, man, big, heavy <laughs> Italian bloodline guy. Like I sweat and that that's what I have to manage a lot is, is just sweating out. Like mm-hmm. that's a huge thing for me. Part of my system is just managing that and which layers I have to hike and this and that and how to transition when you're sitting down a glass, all that is like a big thing for me in late season. But those big, heavy, insulated boots, I will sweat the me shit too. out of them. And then as soon and I'll as I sit never, down, I'll I'm never, cold. Yeah, and I'll never be able to recover. Yeah, my feet can't get cold so quick, especially yeah. if they're wet. Yeah. I feel like I just sweat that much more with an insulated yeah. boot. So that's why that Ortles Ascent boot, mm-hmm. highly recommend. Gotcha. But if I, so like back to the boot thing, if I have the option, though, I am bringing both pairs mm-hmm. on a hunt. Like last year with Luke on that hunt where I shot that raghorn bull, like mm-hmm. I wore my Kenetrek 1,000 gram. Most of the time I had my pack boots in my truck, but because the train was so steep and it was so gnarly, I opted for the Kenetrex rather than the pack boots going on like a, uh, you know, maybe hunt some open country, coolie type stuff, late season. I do with my family. I'm rocking pack boots during that. It's still some steep terrain. Like it's, you're talking like Eastern Montana, South Dakota, some of that stuff. Yeah. Like even like, you know, bad, even Eastern, badlandy stuff, badland stuff. Yeah. Like a Eastern Wyoming or whatever it might be. Yeah. I'm wearing pack boots. It's because it is so cold and you're sitting down in the snow glassing and the hikes that you're doing. Cause you're pretty much in deer country the whole entire time. So you're hiking pretty slowly because you never know when you jump a deer because mm-hmm. that train's so broken. I'll rock pack boots for that. Gotcha. And I like that I can ditch a gator. I don't need to wear a gator anymore because they're, you know, I'm full insulated all the mm-hmm. way up to the top. And I just love lacing those things up. It just feels feels like I'm doing something right mm-hmm. in the morning when I'm <laughs> putting on those pack boots. Yeah, they do look cool. Man, I feel like I would just sweat them out so me, fast. Me too, I feel like I would And too. I would just be crushed the rest and, of the and day. And this time of year too, like I've been recently, because I mean, I'm getting ready for an elk hunt and then I got some late season hunts coming up. I just went through all my late season boots, re-conditioned uh, all the leather again. Mm-hmm. I did it early in the year. I do it again right now, right before I leave. And I enjoy sitting there with a little toothbrush and like, you know, waterproofing my boots, conditioning the leather, watching some TV, you watching need YouTube. Some kids or something. That's what <laughs> <I love too. laughs> My whole entire house is a man cave. It's kind of nice right now living the single life, being back again doing that. Like it's Oh man. It's kind of fun. My house there's always like a pile of laundry or some dishes to do or a kid that needs dropped off at soccer practice. So I had no time to scrub boots with a toothbrush, but it sounds my fun. house my house is just a booby trap of Hot Wheels cars. <laughs> and Legos. So you better make sure you have something on your feet if you're walking through that house at night. Yeah. It's just a straight booby trap. No walking around with like no glasses on in the morning. Bro, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, 
terrible decision. <laughs> Just make sure make sure you got slippers on, glasses, you're ready. We may have talked about this one before, but this is something I do, and I'll, I'd be interested in your guys' takes. So a lot of times I'll pack extra base layers in mm-hmm. my pack, and if I hike up to a point, I've sweated through my base layer. I yeah. peel off my wet base layer. I'll throw that over, you know, a lamb or something like that in the sun, let it dry out. I'll put on a dry layer and then That's sit exactly down and start what I gla- glassing. Yep. You guys do that? Yep, mm-hmm. exactly what I do. That's yeah. m- part of managing my sweat. Yeah. Because I know if I'm looking, like you said, if the point at a thousand foot, I will be soaking wet. Me too. Yeah. By the time I hit the top. Yeah. And then if I'm wet, even if I layer up over the top of it, so and it will fuck. dry out eventually, but like for hours, I'm just cold. Yeah. 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 I'll always take off like the core lightweight hoodie. And then just put the midweight or heavyweight on and yeah. then wait for that lightweight hoodie to dry, to dry. and then I'll put mm-hmm. that one back on again. Mm-hmm. I, want, I want to ask you a question since we're kind sure. of on a similar subject. I ask the questions here. Okay. No, oh, jeez. <laughs> can't wait till Go Trail's ahead. gone again so I can ask <laughs> yeah. questions. Just kidding, Trail. I haven't, had, I haven't been able to give you shit for a while. So I know, I that's it. true. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Uh, Lacey's and Hunts, how do you feel about fires? I love them. You're not, you're not worried about animal spooking, any of that I'm stuff? I'm not. Neither am I. I think, I think really, it's a myth. Really? Yeah. I am worried about it. You are? I very rarely do a fire in mid-late season. I started when on, on I was bow hunting just in September. I was cold one day, lit one up midday. So late season hunt, you'll build a fire right next to you in glass right, right there? Yeah, I've done that. I don't do it all the time, but like if I'm really cold and I'm at a point like where it's either I got to get up and start moving to you know get my body temperature up, but I'm not done glassing and I have more country I want to cover. So if it keeps me in, in the glass longer, I'll start a fire. Yeah, the only caveat I'll throw on there is when you do make a fire on these late season hunts, obviously noise is a consideration. And when you start making a fire and you have a fire crackling, if you're sitting there talking to a buddy, you start talking a little bit louder and louder while you're glassing. So he's got to be Turn, mindful. Turns into a bonfire situation. Turns into a bonfire, yeah. <laughs> so he's got to be mindful of your Pretty voices. Pretty soon your flask comes out. <laughs> oh, you can't carry the flask <laughs> on the back. <laughs> Hunt goes to shit, That's start telling it. stories. But huh. yeah, I, I do enjoy myself sitting down, glassing, and have a little fire right next to you and stoking a fire while you're glassing. Yeah, I mean, that's really the key is just staying warm. Staying warm. Yeah, I get, I get, it is, part of it is laziness too when I get cold. Like I get, the colder I get, kind of the lazier I'll get. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it's like where you just mentally start going like, well, I'm cold, I'm just going to sit here and shiver now because I don't want to move. Like mm-hmm. this little bit of insulation temperature that I have with my arms tucked in, I don't want to lose it. Part of it is that for sure, if I'm being 100% honest. But the other thing too is I do get nervous about like, I don't know, doing all that movement and, you know, putting this gear on and that gear on. And as you're sitting there, mm-hmm. you know, going and like things are happening, you're kind of in the hour and then you build a fire. I'm like, shit. Am I, did I just do all this work and freeze now for nothing? Yeah. You know, like I'm going <laughs> to yeah. build this fire now. It's all for not. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's just hard giving mentally you something to, to do too. And yeah. some downtime. It's like a little kid, every little kid, when you're a little kid, you love building fires. You oh, love starting shit on fire. I loved it too much. It's, <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I don't think much. that ever goes away. I still like lighting a fire. The, the worst part is that on late season hunts. That's in your DNA. It's got to be. Yeah, oh, everybody likes lighting a fire. Yeah. It's in my DNA. Building a fire is just, it's fun. That's a childhood story we can get into another day, <laughs> but I've, I got a record. <laughs> oh, yeah. I do. Yeah. I know we're going to get into, uh, like, habitats, transition zones, and all that stuff yeah. later, but, like, the problem is I'm hunting some of these late-season hunts when you start hunting these big aspen patches, mm-hmm. and it's really cold out, is trying to start a fire, because aspen does not burn worth a shit. So trying to start a fire. Rim, oh, it's, yeah. yeah, it's just, Unless like, it's so dead. hard to start a fire in an mm-hmm. aspen stand. Yeah. You got any other hacks staying warm? Uh, hmm. I read a few. I picked up a few. One of them, do you guys carry, do you guys do 
coffee pot and stove. Do you guys do coffee sometimes in your glasses? Mm-hmm. Take so, like your, your stove, heat up some water, do some coffee. I've only had to do that once. Mm-hmm. Boil water, put it in your Nalgene, put it inside your jacket. Yeah. yeah. The jacket thing's so a good I've, one. I've only That's had to do one. that once, and that was in the Yukon a long, long time ago. Um, but yeah, I've only had to do that. And then coffee, just a warm drink. I yeah. always bring, I mean, the Pocket Rocket MSR, mm-hmm. our, our uh, coffee mug. And then the four ounce canister, it's like 6.5 ounces. Mm-hmm. I mean, just bring it. Yep. Gives you something warm to sip on. Yeah. Warm up the core I like those little packets of bone broth, too. Bone Sometimes broth. Sometimes that's, that's good, good. You throw yeah. that in and heat it up. Yep. It's I'm a nice a little, bone broth fan. A little morale boost as well. Yeah. Tastes good. What, what are your thoughts on, so my dad and I have been talking a lot about, like, if we ever went back to somewhere extremely crazy cold. Like, my dad's kind of thinking about, or we've been talking for a while. We actually had a musk ox hunt booked. And then COVID hit, and we kind of had to switch things around. All the muskox died of COVID. <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. so now they're actually giant, though. We've heard a report they, uh, the guy we're going with think he's killed like a new world record up Just there. Just kidding. That was probably a little insensitive on my part. My bad. No, um, definitely not. But next time we try to do an extreme cold weather hunt, and maybe even for some of these, uh, you know, coolie type country mule deer hunts or whatever, uh, heated insoles in your boots. Mm-hmm. They make some heated insoles that you can like recharge on battery packs and have a little controller on them. So we're like, if we next time we do like a really crazy hunt, maybe getting a heated insole, you can put it in there, mm-hmm. and push a little button on there, little Bluetooth, activate it, so you get a little heated boot when you're walking around. I'm sure it's not as probably comfortable as like a normal custom insole, mm-hmm. but it's a good option maybe to keep your feet warm on some of those extreme extreme cold weather hunts. Yeah. I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought up the little Johnny hand warmers, those little chemical packets that you They're mix the up because those are great. And they last a long time. Long time. They'll do and what it, six, seven hours sometimes. And they don't weigh much. So I have. I mean, shit. I probably had a half dozen in my pack. Yeah. I don't know. Just a handful. Call it a half dozen. And I don't open them until you start the stock. By the time you get there, they're warm, and they're going to be warm for hours into the stock. As I like well. to drop some of those in my down booties too, just on the top of my Ooh, feet. That's a good idea. I didn't do that. <laughs> it's like that's a, a fantastic idea. It's amazing. It's a fantastic yeah. idea. I, I, started, will, I started doing that hunting whitetail on a tree stand. So, I put those inside my down booties. So I was just going to get into a story here. So Clay Hill and I were always trying to find a hunt because he's an outfitter. Mm-hmm. So like always trying to find something. One year we found a late November Kansas whitetail hunt. That's mm-hmm. what we went and did. I think it was 2016, maybe 17, something like that. I have never been colder because you're stuck in a tree stand. Yeah, all the Midwesterners right now are laughing their asses off at us, yeah. I'm oh, sure, yeah. because there's nothing colder nothing. than a Midwest and that, November. And you look at the temperatures, and it was like high 30s, right? Yeah, but and it's that So him and I moisture. both, but it's the humid mm-hmm. cold, and then that just that little bit of wind, mm-hmm. and you're you're so exposed being in the tree, you have none of that ground insulation to sit up against a tree, you know what I mean? Like, you sit on the ground, you kind of have that insulation barrier up against a tree, something like that. You're just standing in the wide open, all that breeze running through. I have never been colder in my entire life and i had the full western <laughs> yeah like Setup. system the mm-hmm. whole deal if i were to ever do that again i'm going down booties now with a warmer yeah, put a hand warmer. for sure or even what you just said i'm like as you were talking about that bluetooth heated insole be perfect for sitting in a tree stand yeah. mm-hmm. Gr- growing like, up absolutely perfect growing up in minnesota the little hot hands little heater things that yeah. you're talking about yeah like you basically buy those in like hundred packs. Yeah, Costco. I don't doubt it. Yeah, they do expire, by the way. And no, I just noticed too. We're mm-hmm. pulling this up. Well, I go through them too fast. I yeah, want they to know. have expiration dates on them. Uh-huh. Every year, I pull five or six of them out of my little gear thing, and I'm like, oh great, these expired. So I got to go buy more. But they I do use ex- them too they quick. Do, expire. do you guys know we now carry those in the going gear shop? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I I, I swear I saw them the other day and while we we're talking about this. I pulled it up. Yeah, we actually sell the grabber hand warmers. Yeah. There you go. And they are, they are a lifesaver. 
They also legitimately. Make it, yeah, they make adhesive back ones that you can stick on the top of your socks. Mm-hmm. Those are kind of nice. Do you ever worry about that's taking up too much room in your boot? I do, just because my my feet. But in the down booty, I'd have plenty of room. Yeah. The, the, the pack boots I put them on before, but not like on a normal boot. I can't say. That's another tip. Uh, I tend to, you know, you lace your boots up tight. You go for a hike. Uh, you sit down and like maybe you're going to sit in glass for an hour or so. Um, just the reduced circulation from lacing your boots tight will make your feet colder colder yeah so it's always good to yeah untie your boots loosen your boots up just to add a little bit more circulation to your feet that's another little tip do you guys do anything do you guys one one that i hadn't really thought about but a a couple of them that i read when i was thinking about doing this podcast uh like eating in the morning so just managing so getting your metabolism going i always eat i never do I'm the worst at that. Yeah, you, you mentioned it before we started this podcast. Yeah. I was like, that's a great thought that get the metabolism going, get your body moving, like get everything working in there so your your body's internally warm. Yeah, and I think if you, I mean, if you're not backpacking, if you have the ability to get up and make like a good breakfast, mm-hmm. I could see that really benefiting my overall warmth mm-hmm. over a day because it gets your metabolism going. You're starting to digest your, your internal temperature. So it's it's like actually a really good thought. I'd, I've never really done it for that yeah but when i hunt so every when i'm at home every day i work out i'm fasting like i just wake up early enough yeah I, I don't i'm never hungry after. in the morning i never eat breakfast me either ever. but when i hunt i force myself to eat and that's why i love those green belly bars is it's mm-hmm. 700 calories immediately and you can eat it in two minutes and i that's what i every day i hunt that's what i do every single morning i've never done it for that specific purpose but i could see exactly yeah. why that would matter and you're terrible at eating so yeah, maybe I'm, maybe you should just try that yeah it would help i'm sure the other thing that i read is uh just like the importance of being hydrated and yeah. uh maintaining body temperature and i'm the worst at drinking water day to day like i don't ever drink water and then i mean i did for a minute because you guys but challenged you me to yeah i i rarely do i'm so bad at that and then late season hunts when i just never feel like drinking because yeah, you like your like, water is you don't so get that cold. sucked out feel yeah. You don't get that heat sucked out where you're just constantly yeah. wanting water. I'm not that thirsty ever because yeah. it's cold out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure if I stayed better hydrated, I would probably be a lot warmer. But it is tough because then the cold water, and if you are cold, that's where I get. That's where I like having the stove. Yeah, warm it up. Boiling some coffee, boiling some water, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Warm it all up if your Nalgene is frozen like mine yeah. was that one day. A couple other things we didn't mention. Uh, glassing pad. Oh, yeah. Pretty pivotal. Huge. Necessity. Just to keep your butt up off the ground, Huge. keep yeah. you warm. And you even have one of those ones that you can fold up. In the late season, sometimes you could fold it up and double insulate it, basically. like yeah. Either that or, or or sit the length of your legs, you know? Yeah. Same mm-hmm. with keeping your feet up off the ground, I think, makes a big difference. And I mean, I always tell my kids, I remember, you know, they'll just sit down in the snow and bury their feet in snow. I'm like, clear yourself a little spot. Yeah. Don't get snow on top and on the bottom. Yeah. yeah. Don't do just it. bathe yourself, yeah. your boots in mm-hmm. snow and just sit there in the snow. You can put your feet on your backpack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything you can do to help like insulate your feet from the ground because you do lose body heat to the ground just sitting. You no, know it's interesting about those down booties too is like kind of naturally I was doing that because mm-hmm. I don't want to tear up the down booties. Yeah. So like kind of naturally I was just kind of putting my feet on my backpack and like most of those have a foam ground. insole as well yeah. on the inside of it, which is nice. A little bit of mm-hmm. added insulation. Anything yeah, else nice. you can think of in terms of clothing that you do or like tips and tricks? Stay I warm. Can, I can tell you a new piece that I am absolutely in love with. The M7 jacket from Stone Glacier. Just as a wind, yeah, wind cutter. So, 
they they get the Chinook winds really bad up north, mm-hmm. obviously, right? This time of year specifically. And um, morning and nights are always cold. And just depending on how hard the Chinooks were blowing is like kind of how warm it would get in the afternoon. But man, that wind in mid-October up north is like no cold. joke. No joke. And we're sitting there glassing. So I was really trying to figure out you know, trying to manage because I'm bow hunting the whole deal. So I'm really trying to manage core temperature because, I mean, essentially when you're bow hunting, like your immediate thought is, okay, I'm just hiking more, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what bow hunting sure. means first off, Can't first be. and foremost, mm-hmm. just hiking more, right? So I'm like really trying to think through my system and all this stuff. So I ended up buying the M7 from Stone Glacier because it's aligned, it's aligned windproof, waterproof, rain gear, yeah. whole piece. And holy shit, do I love that thing. Really? Yeah throw on the Grunman jacket and then that over the top. Mm-hmm. Oh, buddy. Just cut the wind. Oh, buddy. Like, yeah, I think that's a good, I think. We, amazing. Yeah. It was a really good piece of gear for that. I think I did a social clip for uh, Omar here recently where I basically poked some fun at soft shells. I, th- I think I said, you know, what is uh, I often get asked what's a soft shell good for. And I think I said something to the effect that it's like really good for going out with your buddies on a Friday night in Bozeman. <laughs> um, showing people you're a hunter on <coughs> a Friday show, night. Show <laughs> I think that's what soft shells are good for, but they do. A lot of those do have like wind stopper or mm-hmm. wind stopper built into them, and that's probably where they do shine the most is bucking the wind. Uh, I've been, I've worn soft shells <clears throat> in mm-hmm. the past. Like I dropped them probably a couple years ago. Do you ever like, pack one with you? Do you take no, one with you? No, not really. Day hunting, I think it's good, maybe. No, but oh. now that this M7 piece, mm-hmm. like that is a real piece. A hard shell coupled with that's some, a real some piece. insulation. Yeah. And Don't just you? to keep that wind off of you like completely off of you mm-hmm. man that that was that was awesome highly recommend for like a true late season glassing you know that kind of setup man you throw mm-hmm. that over an insulation piece and it's it's awesome gotcha my only other late season insulation hack is just like managing heat on your head like not trying to sweat through some things like just wearing a baseball hat when you're hiking around Take your hat off when you hike. That's another yeah, really put, big put tip. Put a beanie on when you need to, but don't yeah. sweat through your beanie when you're yeah. hiking around. Like yeah. utilize hoods when you have the ability to. Like a hood's going to add so much warmth because it traps in everything around your neck yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, but, you lose a lot of. What's there's some percentage? There's some some huge percent. Gets, yeah, hands some huge, yeah. yeah, your neck and your head. Yeah. yeah, the the take take everything off of your head when you hike. Everything mm-hmm. just be completely naked head, and then when you get <laughs> when you get to the top, kind of. Do your best to dry it off with your arm sleeve or whatever. Then put your hat back on and a hood back on. Yeah. Yeah. But again, this comes down to like moisture management. Like I said, if you're getting up on the glassing knob and you're throwing all the insulation layers on and now you got to go move different glassing point, like we talked about yeah. in the morning, you probably want to de-layer a lot because we've tried before walking around like a Michelin man with every single piece of insulation layer on yeah. and you just start to sweat instantly yeah. when you're trying to go from glassing point to glassing and point. And it's like a, you learn, you learn over time. You learn your body, so to speak, but like... How you said, hike cold, like, you know, mm-hmm. the cameraman, the people who haven't really done it before that we've seen and haven't, be really cold when you start the hike. Because yeah. one, that will just already Motivate help your, you to hike faster. You know, <laughs> and it'll already help you to manage your sweat. You'll yeah. sweat further into the hike, right? Like you're not going to be sweating. If you, mm-hmm. if you roll out cold, you're not going to be sweating immediately, obviously, mm-hmm. right? It's going to take a while. And like kind of understand what you're about to do and be like okay i can go like in a t-shirt to the top like that's a far enough one by the time i get there i'm going to be warm enough i'm sweating mm-hmm. but if you can time it just right to like barely start sweating yeah now you're in the money yeah not completely wet yeah. it out 
and just be frozen when you start hiking. That's I don't know. A really, there's nothing, really good nothing, piece of nothing more invigorating than hitting the top of the ridge in a nice stiff December just, breeze and just peeling off that base layer to skins. Right to the nips. Just pure skins. Ugh. Yeah. <clears throat> easy, easy piercing that time. Yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> to like the nips. That, huh, Cody? Um, what are you taking for fire starter? Uh, season man, good question. That's another thing I would suggest. It's probably myself included. I definitely don't spend enough practice like building fires, just practicing building a fire. But uh, I just use those little paraffin wax cubes. You know, they're like a compressed cardboard. Yeah. Um, either those or just like those U, it's a UST fire cube. So it's like a little paraffin yeah, gel, yeah, looking thing. It just lights on fire. But um, again, I, I don't. I don't late season hunt enough to practice build, yeah. fire building enough, but it's definitely something I should do. And my fire kit's pretty minimal. Mm-hmm. I've actually thought, because mostly what I do is bow hunt. I've actually considered like, do I really need a fire kit? Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you built one in September. Yes? I do. I do. Mm-hmm. And I would never not carry it, but I very rarely use it. But late season for sure. Yeah. I really like you. The, I really like the aspect cubes. Mm-hmm. Either we're trying to start fires in the teepee in the stove, mm-hmm. or I'll carry a bunch while I'm out hunting. And uh, pirate putty, mm-hmm. pirate putty works phenomenal. That's what I use. Yeah, it works. Tear that stuff. You're like you look at that, you're like, how's this going to actually work? And it does. And you just like wrap it on a little stick, and you can utilize that really quickly. But then Vaseline soaked cotton balls. I'll bring a bunch of those. I make sure in the late season hunts, I have a bunch of extra like waterproof matches. Mm-hmm. I have multiple lighters because I have had lighters fail because they just get wet or moisture gets in them or something like that. So are you just using ones. a big lighter? Big lighter, just you, you several a, of them. Yeah, you should have a big bic and then a small bic. Big bic. Say that fast. Say that fast three times. <laughs> <laughs> the, have, you, uh, have you ever carried in those little plasma lighters? The little like I have quick, quick ones. They no. always intrigue me, but yeah, I've seen them. They always seem gimmicky. There's there's a lot of lighters out there that look. They look pretty fancy, but and I, I don't can, like the idea of having to charge one. I'm yeah, not me sure either. I'm sold on that yet. Like I've never had a big fail, I don't think. But then again, you know, I can't say that I've used it a shit ton. But I can tell you something I need to do is what you just said peaked me was the waterproof lighters. I didn't do that. I don't have those. I just yeah, have get, one get big lighter. Matches for sure. Like I always carry them a little like it's kind of like a little pill. Yeah, canister thing. Like don't don't drop a bunch of them. I should in there. probably carry those. But I make sure I leave a bunch. In my shelter, I think that's a big thing too. Like you could probably talk about shelter stuff later, but mm-hmm. like leave a bunch of fireproof stuff or, or fire starting stuff in your shelter. So when you get back, you have that there. You don't have to dig in your backpack, but then also make sure you carry that with you on the hunt. Because mm-hmm. you never know when you get into a survival situation on a hunt and you have to start a big fire. Or we do it a lot where we kill a buck in the evening and literally while we're deboning the meat, we have a giant bonfire and we start you know, fires throughout the, throughout the day as well. But carry that stuff with you. Don't just leave it at camp, but also leave some of that camp. So if your buddy has to go back to camp for whatever reason, you know, he can start a fire and you can get back there later. But just logistically trying to plan out how to be safe when you're out there with mm-hmm. all that stuff. And make sure your buddy also has backup lighters. Like carry lighters, carry them on you. I carry, in the Lacey's and Hunts, I'll switch over and carry a lighter in my marsupial harness. Like, mm-hmm. so it's literally on my body at all times. Guess what Omar did not carry? A lighter? A backup lighter. <laughs> Day two of the hunt, he's like, hey, my lighter's out. I'm like, you didn't get a new one for this hunt? Like, he's you either didn't out, check of fuel, it? out of fuel or out of a lighter, huh? Yeah. So like, that guy has fire issues. So I gave issues. Him, he does. Uh, so I gave debacles. Him, There's got some debacles going on with fire. I gave him my backup lighter, and I said, Omar, you've got to have a backup lighter. Yeah. Like, that's a that's just a... Yeah, you got you to. Can't, you 
can't not do I that. always have two lighters, and then, like you, I've got waterproof and they matches weigh nothing. all the time. Yeah. They literally weigh nothing. Well, I, I don't do care need how to much do they weigh, you got to have them. Yeah. You just have to have yeah. a backup. Just and and the, hard, the hard part is, too, if you have one of those like stoves for boiling, you know, freeze-dried meals or coffee, mm-hmm. and it's a self-igniter, yeah. the self-igniter is eventually going to fail, and it's probably going to fail on a late-season hunt. And so if you said, oh, I don't really need a lighter right now because I have it ignites by itself, yeah. all of a sudden you're clicking, clicking, clicking. It's not yeah. going to light. He didn't even have a self-lighting igniter and still didn't have a backup lighter. And yes, I am throwing him under the bus right now on the podcast without him here he to defend to, himself. Yeah, he has to light his stove. But he took my backup, and I was pissed about that. Oh, and I'm like, now geez. I don't have a backup, bro. Jeez. Now what? He's kicked out of the club. <laughs> he had a couple of Omarisms on that hunt. Just yeah. a couple, though. Not very many, but that was one of them. A uh, couple other tip. One tip I read I thought was a good idea is a guy mostly hunting from like a base camp, You know, whether it's a wall tent or a, a hotel room. He says he likes to go out, start his truck, and then lay all of his layers out in the truck and get like him get them nice and warm. And it's then like he, a warm towel out yeah, of the shower. Yeah, gets them uh. all warmed up and then, you know, throws them in his pack and goes with just his base layers. But I thought that was good. Another one yeah. I read I thought was kind of interesting. Guy said he likes to glass mostly, if he can, from a standing position because he feels like his down layers don't get as compressed. But you do have to find a wind block, you know, windshield. And that's mm-hmm. and that is one thing I would say. There's a lot of times I've sat up on ridges just in a straight wind and just been frozen to the core to the point where I'm like, okay, I can't do this anymore. And then my buddies maybe because I'm dumb, he might be a hundred yards over in a little wind break and you know, he could glass yeah. all day. I really hope Jay Scott or Cody Nelson don't hear this I know. right now. Crushing people I know. who stand up in glass, which yeah. Hey, what's mine? I'm just saying, it yeah, might yeah. It make it make sure if you're doing sense. it like they said. Though, I think his, his mentality, like he's, the guy was finding a spot that's not windy, but I'm also assuming that guy's also not standing on a ridgeline because standing on a ridgeline is going to be windy. Sure. So he's probably an area where he can stand up in glass and not let the animal see him. Well, the other part of the, his argument was that he feels like he gets better blood flow to his extremities when he's standing. Yeah. Which I my if I get cold, it's my hands and my feet, and my yeah. feet are cold like that. Yeah, and that's this is one yeah. of those things too where. You know, I might stand in glass every now and then. That's when a cameraman turns over and does some video and takes a photo. But it's like that might only be for five or ten minutes. Yeah. But that's when people pick it up like, oh, why is that guy standing yeah. in glassing? But it's mm-hmm. like, well, there's probably a reason you're standing glassing like this to get circulation. I do I do both. Shake your that. legs back and forth, like move them around. Yeah. Like it, there's, a, there's a method to it mm-hmm. for sure. I do like that. <laughs> what do you guys do for your trucks? What do you have in your pickup truck in the for a late season hunt that you don't have for <sighs> an early season hunt? I wish I had a bigger truck for all the stuff I carry in the late season. What extra do you carry and why? <sighs> Everything from ex- not just one toe strap, having two toe straps because I've had had some break before, having extra, you know, C-links to attach on different vehicles for towing people out, you know, four chains. I used to just have two chains. Now I have a full set of four. <laughs> Two like, chains. Shout out to chains. Making sure you have all the you know the tensioners on the chains. Make sure you know how to work your chains. Clean your chains every year. Like I just had to repair my chain last year after that. How many people do you think own chains? Oh, I've never put slim. them on their truck. I think it's very slim. ninety. Plus I think it's probably percent. pretty common. Yeah, yeah, because the hardest thing about putting on chains is yeah, I can put a chain on anywhere on nice ground gravel dry yeah. once you get out there in the elements that's when you wish you had some practice on how mm-hmm. to put a chain on so buried like, in mud a little bit sage laying on yeah, all that to, shit yeah you know i i even take a hijack 
Mm-hmm. Like literally, you know, hijacks are kind of bad because you always have to find a horrible spot to put on your truck. But if I'm literally buried mm-hmm. and I have to put it on the side of my truck or on the frame and I'm going to dent up the side of my door, whatever, so what? I yeah. need to get that truck jacked up a little bit so I can, you know, maybe shove some logs underneath the tires or, mm-hmm. or branches or stuff like that. Chainsaw. That's have to one. have a chainsaw. That's a good one. Biggest oh. thing for me, what I learned, uh, it was last year. So I've had a chainsaw forever. My dad got one for Christmas way back in the day. I lived in Minnesota because he's living in a house that was just a wood burning stove mm-hmm. in Montana. And uh, so since I've been down here a lot, I've been using it all a little bit here and there on hunts, but then like, I never cleaned it out fully. I never cleaned out the carburetors. I never took it all apart. And so when I was on a hunt last year, I literally drove, this is why the chainsaw is important. I drove up a road. It was snowing, parked my truck, hunted for three days, came back, drove down that road. What was down on the road? I was out in the middle of nowhere. No one had been up this road. There's trees down <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. I was like, trying to come up with some other clicks. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't get there quick. There's a warlock. There's, there's, deer, <laughs> there's deer standing everywhere on the road. It was great. A dragon. <laughs> so I literally had to use my chainsaw. And like, I'm not talking about trees you can just like drive over or grab them and drag them. Like, these are like giant 16 inches. So yeah. I use my chainsaw. Yeah, you're not getting out. Not you're getting out. Yeah. So I take my chainsaw, start trying to start it. And the carb was so gum, like gummed up that it wouldn't run full power. So I just go for a little bit, die, start it up, die. So I had to keep doing that slowly, slowly, slowly to get that tree out of the way. So I got home, took my chainsaw all apart, like completely cleaned the whole thing and now it runs mm-hmm. brand yeah. brand new. Jumper cables, extra. Absolutely. Yeah, battery, yep. little, little charger. Yep. So I have one of those uh, um, battery packs. It's mm-hmm. like a basically a jump, jump kit. Yep. So I can use that to, if my, my truck dies, I can do it. Obviously, jumper cables for another vehicle. I also carry a, uh, a little, kind of like a little mini air compressor thing that you plug into your pickup mm-hmm. truck on the cigarette lighter. So if one of my tires goes low, I can, you know, inflate the tire. If I have, if I have a total, you know, blowout, I have a patch kit as well. And then that little air compressor will pump that tire up or use it on some quads. And I've, you know, patched mm-hmm. a lot of four-wheeler tires on the mountains. I've patched truck tires on the mountains. Uh, extra gas mm-hmm. on some of these more remote hunts in the late season hunt. Carry at least you know two cans, sometimes three, World's maybe even best four. Best fire starter. <laughs> the best fire starters. <laughs> yeah. Good point. It's another good reason to have That's that true. truck. Yeah. And uh, make sure sometimes I even start to carry like uh, an old school Carhartt jacket yeah. on the late season hunt. Throw it in that same. I have a box because. You know, yeah, my, my hunting clothes will be just fine, but I don't want to crawl underneath my truck in the snow, get all my hunting gear soaked. So I'll throw on a Carhartt jacket if I have to go underneath there and put chains on to be able to just dive underneath there. You even have some coveralls I'll bring. That's a good point. And, and then make sure you have not just like leather work gloves, but I have some leather like insulated work gloves. Mm-hmm. So when I'm putting chains on, because like you're touching bare metal. And usually it happens like late at night when you're putting chains on. It's windy, it's snowing. So like, make sure you have just a lot of extra things. Hatchet, carry a hatchet. I carry mm-hmm. some hand saws as well in case the chainsaw, like I said, does not work. I have a big long hand saw I can use. Not just, I'm not talking about one of those mini like eight inch hand saws. No, I'm yeah. talking like a sixteen inch mm-hmm. hand saw, like foldable hand saw. Quill. What, to think I always what else. carry a quill. I always have a down quilt in my truck just in oh, case. Oh yeah, that's a good. That's a good thing. I remember one time I got drenched, just absolutely soaked to the bone on a hunt, and I got back to the trailhead. Stripped off everything, jumped in the front seat, fired up the heater, you know, and let it run. Just threw that down quilt over the top of me and kicked my seat back and slept for three or four hours. But it was nice to have just a down quilt just to huddle up under just yeah, so it was cold nice. and wet. I'm not sure. Maybe you can help me out here if you've taken your diesel anywhere. But like back in the day when I was in Montana, I had an old F-350. It was a 99 F-350. 
it was the beast of a truck. Mm-hmm. But was, my diesel was so old ones. that I'd, I'd hunt in these really late season hunts in Montana and it'd be so cold that uh, sometimes I would literally, like on day hunts, I'd leave my truck running for like four hours. Yeah. Because I, if I shut it off, my it glow would, plugs would get so cold so and might not be able to start. Yeah. So what I started doing was I took a big buddy heater, like little two propane big buddy heaters, mm-hmm. and I took a tarp. So if I was hunting it's all really day smart, for multiple actually. days and I got back to my truck and you all of a sudden my truck would not start because it'd be so yeah. cold, hmm. I'd take that big buddy heater, put the tarp over my front of my engine, heat a bunch of stuff, obviously being careful not to like, you know, blow Light your truck up fire. Or, or something like <laughs> yeah. that, but like heat up the whole front starting area of the, block, en- the engine, yeah. the block, so I can actually get my truck going. Yeah. So like I had to start carrying all that extra shit into the mountains right. to actually do it. Because once I left my truck for four days, the little old beast, old red, won't start anymore. It's all these things you got to think about on a late season hunt. Really? There's so much gear. Even just like, you know, I carry not just a spade shovel, but I carry a snow shovel. Because mm-hmm. if you ever dealt with snow and all you have is a spade shovel for mud, all of a sudden Nightmare. you have to try to start shoveling like shit. Like I need to figure yeah. out ways to do, you know, move that snow around. Yep. Thank God diesels have come a long ways. Yeah, they're then. probably a lot better now. Way better. Yeah. I've only had it happen one time and it was in, in Utah over New Year's. We went to the ranch in Utah over New Year's. It was like minus four or five, but it, my battery could, it was, they're so good now. My battery could heat up everything enough mm-hmm. that it did turn over. It just wouldn't turn over right away. And they make additive for the fuel now too. So yeah. you get the winter blend and add the additive and it's like not going to gel up at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think of something. But I also, you know. I also don't live in Montana or Wyoming. I'm sure they're dealing with something yeah. very different. Yeah. I'm just can speak to the Southwest. What about optics? What are you using late season? I, mean, I think kind of the name of the game for late season hunting is optics, right? So that's your main method. Spot and stock. Um, any considerations for optics, fog, anything like that? Do you do any like the little fog treatments that they... Mm, I wouldn't say I do anything specifically for fog. I'd still carry, you know, like little Zeiss lens wipes, yeah. lens pen, a little like poof bottle, a little, little grenade thing looking thing that push the air out to clean everything off. But you ever like, had any issues with your scope, anything like that? Freeze not, it, not, not that I can recall. It? Barrel topper? What are you gun? Oh, yeah, I have a full-on marsupial with a little topper thing, and I'll use electrical tape. Gotcha. I'm a big promoter of electrical tape on the brake, or if you don't have a brake or a suppressor or whatever it yeah, is. You got electrical like, tape. Cu- cover the front of your gun up, even if you have a little sleeve that goes over, or if you have a full-on, like, you know, gun slicker or that sort of thing, it goes over your whole gun. But, like, I want something that will also protect the action mm-hmm. because I've had people go out there before, and if they had too much oil on their bolt area, that's, that stuff will start to freeze. You get a bunch of snow, get a bunch of ice built up in your action. All of a sudden, you try to lift your bolt up. It's, it's just locked tight. Quick, st- quick story. That happened to me on, like, the world's best goose hunt in Montana was when I was in college. <laughs> I had too much oil, like, because oh, yeah. we, were, we were shooting so much that time of year. It was my junior year of college, and uh, the Centennial Valley has all kinds of hot springs up through it. And that's where we'd late season hunt a lot and went home, cleaned the guns. And I was just an idiot. Didn't really had had a mm-hmm. ton of experience by then and just oiled it up everything. And I didn't like really take care of it. Went out there the next day, got like two shots in and just done. Up. And there was, it was like the world's best day. It was hmm. minus, minus 20 something. And it was like the world's best day of goose hunting. And I was sitting there playing with my dingling because there's nothing else to do. Really? Yeah. You're playing with your... <laughs> yeah. I mean, what else you can do when it's that cold? I got my hands. My hands like this. That is the warmest part it of your body, you know? Like, just got my hands in the undercarriage yep. trying to keep them warm. I'm like, dude, this is... That's true. Wish I could shoot right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but continuing on with the, the gun situation, though, because late season hunts are usually a lot of rifle hunts. Yeah. Um, You get back to camp at night 
you know, what's a TP, a wall tent or whatever, and you want to bring your firearm in your shelter. Well, if you bring your firearm in your shelter and that stuff starts melting slightly, but doesn't fully dry out mm-hmm. and the next day you take it out, it's going to freeze. So it seems bass backwards, but the better thing to do is actually Leave keep it. your weapon outside yeah. the shelter. Like obviously have it covered up mm-hmm. with like either a full gun sleeve or marsupial or the stealthy hunter, like scope cover thing with the barrel in it. And, but leave it outside. Don't bring it in because all that moisture is going to start melting in weird places and then freeze. You need to put it on the edge of your shelter. And once you're, you know, wood stoves and, and these teepees don't last all night long. Mm-hmm. So eventually that stuff's going to freeze. And then mm-hmm. now it's gummed up in the morning. And then too, that's going to add to that fog and the scope, like you're talking about, trying to minimize all that fog. Yeah, so you bring a gun from outside, bring it inside. Same thing with cameras. You try to turn a camera on in well, the shelter. It's, that it's metal fog. too. It's like just leave it out. Just leave, leave it in that same temperature the whole time. Yep. Quit changing temperatures on it. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's. You don't prob- have to worry about that on your on your on your pins on your. Bow then, I, I haven't thought about that. Well, that was a that's a waterfowl thing for me. Mm-hmm. Like and you just quit bringing them inside. Just leave everything outside. Yeah. And then, and then another thing though too, like we talked about oil and all that stuff. It is kind of good to bring some extra oil on some of these hunts, but use it sparingly. Mm-hmm. Like. Even just like I talked about in Alaska when I was moose hunting, like everything I own rusted up. I wish I I I did not bring any extra little things of oil, just like you know lube up certain things here and there. Mm-hmm. If you're going back to a hotel every night in these late season hunts, which a lot of people do, then yeah, it might be wise to bring your rifle in there, let it dry out. But if you're going to let it dry out at night in the hotel room, open up your bolt. Like literally take everything out, open up your scope caps, let everything air out. Don't like have moisture still locked in there. Like don't keep yeah. it in your gun case. Don't keep it in your soft yeah. gun case. Open that thing up every single night to, to let it breathe and let it dry out completely before you take it back out hunting the next day. Have you, have you used any of the anti-fog on your optics? No, never have. That's why I, I have, asked. and I think it works, but I I don't know. Is it snake oil? I don't know. Probably. I've, I've used don't. it. I've used it just like the, you know, like uh, mask, like swimming mm-hmm. mask, anti-fog, all that stuff. I've used it, and I've think i don't know it, it is hard that. thing to manage though because you yeah. do sit there glassing and your face is really warm yeah and the well, optics you, really cold. you do yeah. get some fog on and then you got to pull it off a little bit yeah. hold it in the wind for a couple of seconds yeah. like maybe i should try it i've never tried it yeah, yeah i don't know i was worried about only a rifle a rifle scope you know you like in a moment where you get down into the gun and you know you maybe brush past look through your scope like, you know oh, you, 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 you like look up to breathe yeah, here we go, and you breathe yeah. right in your skull. Yeah, you oh. get in the gun with your eye, and you you know pop up off to look through your eyes and blow on the lens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where's yeah. Cody Nelson when we need him? I know that it, actually it is a good question. Yeah, I've never used it, so I don't know. I was hoping you had. You could say mm-hmm. yay or nay. Do you have any other gear things before we switch over to kind of more like where like habitat, those kinds of things, where to look for animals late season? You know, mm-hmm. do you have any other kind of gear hacks? I think I mean backpack hunting and Late season's obviously tough. It's tough. It, you, you just got to realize that your backpack is going to be heavier than normal, and it's something you just kind of have to deal with. Yeah. Because you have so many other layers. But those layers, m- most of the time you're going to need them. So I feel like if you're going to be cold, just bring extra layers. Don't try to skimp on it, and then you're going to glass Yeah, it's not you know, a time to save weight. No, it's really not. You bring any of those emergency tinfoil tarps, like the ones that look like tinfoil? Oh, no. Mm, I, used to, no. I used to have those back in the day, those little... Uh, yeah, those, those emergency about. ones. Yeah. I've never, I don't use those either, but I was just thinking through it. Do you? My, my new med kit might have one of those in there. I'm not sure if it does. If I've never brought one, one with me hunting, but I see like when I used to run a lot, you go to race, start of a race, People everybody was wrapped up in one. <laughs> yeah, I think it was much just like, hey, look, I have a. Hey, look at me. I have a, yeah, <laughs> yeah. a tinfoil tarp wrapped around me at the start of a race, but. Mm-hmm. 
I'm sure they work. I mean, obviously they do. Just as like I, a I last ditch kind yeah, of last thing. Ditch. I don't, you know, I've never packed emergency one. thing. One more thing. What about? So we're talking about insulation layers on a hunt and trying to stay warm under glassing. Would you ever bring your sleeping bag with you on a hunt, on a yeah. day on a day hunt, and then maybe wrap it around you when you're sitting there glassing? I would. I have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I even a quilt, just like an open quilt, throw over the top of you. I mean, you know, there's different companies that make uh, just like a synthetic or a down quilt, and again, you're packing extra weight. But if it means a difference of being able to sit there in glass and not being able to. Pack, pack the yeah. extra weight. Yeah, I mean, I've got a enlightened equipment quilt, an Enigma. It's a ten degree quilt. I think it weighs like twenty one ounces. What Probably are, worth it if I can sit there in glass under a quilt. Are you gonna? Sorry, right? I know we're just trying to switch subject, mm-hmm. but one more gear thing. Are you gonna switch your sleeping bag over in late season from synthetic from a down to a synthetic? I'm not. I'm just gonna keep it dry. Keep it dry. Yeah. And most time late season, you're gonna have a stove. Yeah. Or hopefully, you have a stove. Yeah, you about have to if you're gonna backpack. Yeah. I mean, it just what, gets you know too, what temperature it gets too damn cold. Yeah, I'm zero degree. I'm gonna bring. You're zero, gonna bring yeah, a zero I'm gonna bring. Sure. Yeah, yeah, a zero degree bag and a stove. I get cold. What's like the day that. that opens? November tenth. It'll be cold. It'll be cold. Yeah, it'll be really cold. Yeah, Brady's saying snow this next week potentially. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna get snow in my. Elk you are. Oh, yeah. that's gonna be phenomenal. Good yeah. for you. <laughs> I got another. Time that one up. I yeah. got another gear question to ask you. Yes. I get asked this quite a bit, and I don't know if I know the answer exactly. Go. How, how do you deal with water? How do you keep your water from freezing? So what kind of like uh, canisters are, are you using a bladder for late season hunts? And then also, if you're using snow for your water source, mm-hmm. what's the process of doing that? Okay, so... And do you treat it? Okay, a lot of questions. I, I, got, I got this. I'll try to condense it down and not get long-winded. Uh, I've learned from other podcasters to ask him in succession. That way I just get to sit here and drink monster. <laughs> All right, so... Late season hunts, blad, typical bladder with a hose. No, ditch that. Leave that baby at home. Uh, I don't know if we showed this hunt on the or showed this on the below zero film with Neville, but uh, Neville had a bladder with a hose, and it was you know it was cold, like really cold. But by the he had his bladder. Was it we, below zero? I mean, it's the title of the film. <laughs> it was, it was, it had yeah. to have been below zero. It had to have been. Yeah. Otherwise, you guys would have been a over. Yeah. yeah, that day was still like, you know, sub freezing. So he actually didn't have enough room for his bladder to go inside his backpack because all of our layers, because we were going to go backpack hunting in November. So he attached his bladder on the outside of his backpack, Ooh. like literally strapped on those back two straps on the stone glacier. Mm-hmm. By the time we got to our glassing spot, that was a brick. It was literally frozen solid. <laughs> and then throughout the rest of the hunt while we're hunting, even though he had his bladder in his backpack and his hose out, he wasn't blowing the water back into the hose. So that's a big tip. If you do have a bladder and you really love having the hose, you got to push that water back through the, through the hose, back into the reservoir. Otherwise, that's going to freeze. So it's constantly his hose was frozen. Couldn't get water out of it. So late season hunts, I'm always, you know, Nalgene, soft platypus, one liter bottles or whatever it is, mm-hmm. using that, keeping them in your backpack. So I will stop having it on the side of my backpack, mm-hmm. put it in my backpack with all my other insulation layers to try to keep that from freezing. What do you carry, Nalgene's? Or do Nalgene's. You carry, okay. Yeah, the little ultralight Nalgene mm-hmm. now. Um, you talk about snow. So I'm a big promoter of melting snow for water on these late season hunts. Like mm-hmm. I want to get where other people can't go. So I want to get where horse guys have to be by water every single day for their horse. They have to get a lot of water. I want to go further. Well, if I'm going to go further up in the mountain, a lot of times I'm not, there's no streams anymore. There's no water sources or those water sources are frozen. So I'm going to rely on melting snow every single night. So that's where it comes down to every night doing my chores, getting wood for the fire, getting a bunch of snow. And depending on the snow quality, 
can make it easier or harder to get water. Like if you have a bunch of powder snow, that powder snow does not have a lot of water content in it. So if you take a full, you know, whatever jet boil thing full of snow, set it on my teepee stove, let that thing melt all the way down. I'm only having an inch of water down there where if you have, you know, higher moisture content snow, like a bunch of slushy snow, that's a lot of water in there. So you start to boil that down. You're going to have a lot more water. So then I'll instantly boil water down or boil snow down into water and then I'll add some more snow on top of it so it melts really quickly. Are you boiling this on the top of your wood stove? Top of my wood stove, yep. Yeah. And I'm just trying to really melt it for the most part. And then I'll have another Nalgene next to me just full of snow. This is where the Nalgene's come into play. I'll take that hot water, dump it in that other Nalgene with snow, and start shaking it up, try to add more water content, and redo that process multiple times until I get some water built up. And then I'll usually have a 6-liter MSR drum light uh, water reservoir there, and I'll start filling that up. And then... Uh, there's a whole point about do I purify it? No, I do not. No, no drops, nothing. No drops. Your water is not going to taste like glacier fed stream water. It's going to taste like pine needles. Mm-hmm. It's going to get that little extra vitamins in there because of all <laughs> the pine needles. Is there any, do you know, is there any danger in I not purifying water? I don't know if I've looked into it enough, snow? but I don't think so. Like the whole point of me using it on the wood stove, you'd be like, oh yeah, you just, why don't you just use your, uh, you know, your jet boil or your pocket rocket, but I don't want to burn fuel canisters too. Yeah. And, yeah. So that's really why I'm doing it like that. But like every night it's a struggle to do it because you have to get that thing Africa hot mm-hmm. to try to melt a bunch of snow. Yeah. And so literally the whole night you're just melting Lacey's snow going outside. It's a lot of work, man. Yeah. You can't just go to bed. No, you're, you're staying Little up baby. late. But then, no. But go to bed. You're... It's, but the nice thing is it's it gets dark disaster. so early, <laughs> yeah. so you do have a lot of time to do this, but you do have to think it out every single day. Like, do I have enough water? Did I melt enough snow last night? If I, if I went to bed mm-hmm. early because I was tired, well, now the next day you're not going to have water. And what's going to happen if you don't have water? You're going to be dehydrated the whole day that we're talking about. Like, you and I don't drink enough water on the hunts. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, that nice cup of bone broth is going to be real great in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have water to do it, you kind of hose. But Gotcha. Yeah, and then during the, during the night, too, I'll keep my water bottles either in my backpack and not let them sit up. Cause if I let it sit out next to the edge of my teepee. Well, I'm going to wake up and that's probably going to be frozen. Mm-hmm. Um, the other trick I talked about before, flip your now jeans upside down. So the frozen parts at the top and not at the part where you drink when you open it up. It's a good tip. And then even in the middle of the day when you're hiking around, like keep that now jean, like I said, in your backpack, near your insulation layers. Do you ever put it in your sleeping bag at night? Yep. Like at the bottom by your feet? Not a lot, but if I do have a, uh, you know, if it's just really warm and I want to add yeah. some warmth, yeah, I'll, I'll get one raging hot and throw in an Nalgene and then chop it toss in my sleeping bag. But another consideration, though, too, if you're on a late season hunt and you do have access to a bunch of water in your camp and you're using filters, you don't want those filters to freeze. So that's where at night I'm literally taking those water filter, whether it's a, uh, a SteriPen, whether it's an MSR filter, whether it's a little platypus filter. SteriPen, you're okay. You're talking when you get into like the micro filters. Micro filter, but no, SteriPen though too. That battery will drain, and sure. it, what, they would don't, don't work very well when it's cold. Sure. I found out, so you do have to heat it up. But I will keep all my water filtration stuff in my sleeping bag at night while I'm sleeping. Yeah, yeah I know firsthand that like your little filters that like a gravity fed filter that's got the little micro. Like if you open the thing up and you look into it, and it just looks like a bunch of little straws essentially mm-hmm. like yep. those freeze solid they're yep. u- they're useless <laughs> and then you can't do anything <laughs> wait when it yeah. freezes yep. yeah so yeah at that point you got to have something else like a steri pen or drops mm-hmm. or something like that and then even when i've done like day hunts from a truck with my family and we have a bunch of water in the vehicle or i have a water jug 
I'll put that water jug obviously in the cab of the truck somewhere. And then I'll try to throw a bunch of extra layers over top of it because you've gotten back before and your trucks, whatever, and the negatives are below, below freezing and all that water in your truck will freeze up. So like throw a bunch of layers on top of it. So the water, when you get back, you can, you know, take a nice swig of really cold water. But you ever throw a sled in your truck just for hauling meat out? No, that was one of the questions I was looking at recently. For for sledding (laughs) or some tobogganing. (laughs) Wouldn't that be a great way to break up the day, huh? Oh, we're not going to last. There was no sledding. Like, hey, Luke, we're going sledding. We're going sledding. (laughs) No, but that that was one question that some guys like, why didn't you guys bring a sled on your uh, elk hunt last year? It's like, yeah, that's that's a great question. Because we didn't want to go sledding. But that that would would be great. Because I'm not 12. Uh. Have you ever sledded anything out? (laughs) No. I don't think so. Yeah. I, I probably should. I've, I've pulled some animals out with, you know, cause you can, I watched one time. I remember this guy, it was when I was going to Utah state, he'll remember this. So shout out Clint Sampson. If you're <laughs> listening, he's a, he's a conservation officer for DWR. Hopefully you won't mind me telling, but he shot this cow elk on a late season hunt and had a bunch of snow, uh, there on the face above Logan. And, whatever reason he wanted to haul that thing out whole and so we strapped some uh, paracord to it and we started dragging and it was fine because it was pretty snow and we were making pretty good progress and I remember one time this she got kind of hung up in some rocks and uh he went to pulling real hard and broke the cord and he went flying it looked like he'd been shot out of a cannon like I thought he was gonna <laughs> die <laughs> yeah just rolling down the hill and then we he was like okay let's quarter it so we, <laughs> we quartered and packed it uh, out but, uh, that's awesome I, yeah I also had some people ask before about like do I ever take snowshoes on a late season hunt? oh yeah I have I've snowshoed cow elk out before. Mm-hmm. The late season cow, that's what I was going to bring mm-hmm. up. When I lived in Montana, we did some snowshoe stuff on the really late November stuff in the mountains. But mm-hmm. for the most part on these, you know, hunts I've done recently, I haven't taken snowshoes. I really want to do like a ski hunt, like cross-country ski, and I think yeah. that'd be pretty baller. I shot a cow cool. one time. It was negative 18 when I left the Oof. truck in the morning. It was so cold. I've got a like a Honda Rubicon, you know, automatic, and the gear wouldn't shift. And I could just go fast enough and but i got up to a point where i started hiking i shot this cow but yeah we we used packed snowshoes and packed her out in snowshoes on a cat with a cow it's too late for me yeah it was that's water it was, it was miserable point. i remember that day in fact i shot her she died out on the south facing slope and i remember the sun came up and uh you know i'm taking care of her and she's you know kind of out in the sun and i remember thinking like, holy smokes, it's so warm. And I was peeling layers off. And I think it was like a high of like 21 that day. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it was still cold and it felt warm, but it started out. I remember being like, that neg- cold. yeah, negative yeah. 18. Yeah. That's a waterfowl day. Yeah, it was cold, cold, cold. Find a hot spring. Should we talk about like where to find some animals before we were done here? In the mountains. In the mountains. That's where you find them. What are you looking for in a late season? I don't know. I think animals? in town, late season. That's true. around town. <laughs> Golf courses. <laughs> Seen a lot of big deer around town. No kidding, right? <laughs> Cemeteries Dude, is a great uh, spot. What's up with Especially that? Especially late season. Mm-hmm. Just go hunting around town, you know? Lorenzo, what are you looking for? Late season elk. We'll elk? say elk. Yeah, we'll call we'll 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 use you for elk. Nastiest spot possible. Mm-hmm. Highest spot possible that's got snow but not enough to like make it impossible to feed mm-hmm. like literally that's that's typically yeah, ridge, what i've always looked for yeah nasty stuff this why, is just why as gross though? as it looks i don't they so for somebody that hasn't hunted a whole bunch like yeah. what are you looking for late season we'll say october november time frame so when they're pulling off the cows and they're going back to being bachelor group of bulls mm-hmm. a lot of the i mean if you've had the chance to, to scout summer, like early summer, a lot of the times they'll be kind of back in that same spot from early summer, that same home range, at least what I've mm-hmm. found in Nevada, Utah. Um, 
And they just, man, they do not like any riffraff late season stuff at all. Like any anything close to people or roads or any of that, they don't seem to like. Just so that's in my let, me add, let me phrase a question. For, I'm going to hit you with another one. Yeah. Let's kind of lead into that. So in terms of uh, betting, yeah. food, mm-hmm. water, pressure, yeah. how would you rank those in terms of your considerations for finding elk late, late season? season? Pressure. Pressure one. first and Pressure foremost. first. And that's what I would say. For sure, pressure. Yeah. I mean, just thinking about like, so in the last five years, I've done two late season elk hunts. And after those two, I've swore to never hunt them again unless they're in the rut. That's, we'll just put it that way. Those Lorenzo's are the types of becoming a diehard bow hunter and I'm here for it. <laughs> we can get it. We can get into this later because I mean, it can be topic of conversation on, on another podcast, yeah. but that it is a topic I want to talk about. Yeah. Um, but anyways, like I just, I, there were those type of late season hunts where I said, I'm not, I'm not doing this again. Mm-hmm. Like this is fucking crazy. And, um, pressure for one, that was the first and foremost, first like consideration. absolute, it, and it was just so plain as day, like, okay, these can get day hunt pressure. There's no bulls here, zero. Mm-hmm. And you start looking in places where it's like, man, you're going to have to overnight to get there. Or you're going to do this or that bulls like there they are, you yeah. know, and they're easy to glass late season, which is fun. Um, but man, topper ridge lines, the, the amount of snow, like optically, just because there's snow, it doesn't mean anything. Like until you can glass it and see like how much snow is up there. If they can feed through the snow, they're still going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I haven't, I haven't really noticed. Granted, I've only done it twice in the last five years, but I haven't noticed like a directional um, contour of a of a hill to matter. Like we we saw them on north, south, east. Mm-hmm. We found them on everything. Um, and just like in the nastiest places possible because they don't want to be where, yeah, the, where the pressure is. Yeah, they're, they're looking for some seclusion. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree pressure. I made some notes and I'm, I'm spot on with you. Yeah. I think pressure first and foremost. It's kind of wild, like how yeah. much it pushes them to places. Yeah, so I'm looking at things like where are other people hunting? Where's mm-hmm. the access? Where's the trailheads? Can where you are the day roads? hunt it? It's kind of what I noticed. Can you day hunt yeah. it? Yeah, same thing. I like to look, I think cliff bases. So like, oh, seems yeah, like that's bases a good one. of cliffs. Same as ridgelines. Uh, I like ridgelines. <sighs> that's it's, a good cliff faces. That's a really good one. Yeah, cliff faces. Back. Yep, tiny pockets where you got some lush feed uh, kind of tucked away and some nasty. If you've got beetle kill blown down, mm-hmm. the nastier the better. It seems like they just where people aren't, right? Uh, private, private land. I know that you and I have been on hunts before where mm-hmm. a patient person it was willing to use maps and, and kind sit. of and sit and cruise private land boundaries that are adjacent to public. Yeah. Probably get a crack at a, an elk that may move across some private. To I public. wish I had that kind of patience. Yeah. But it's, it's worth considering for Definitely, sure. Definitely. No question. Cause they're looking for seclusion. I mean, there's a lot of seclusion on private land. Cause how many days would you give to that? Being Depends on to be what patient. kind of sign I was seeing. Yeah. I mean, if I was seeing elk and I was kind of, you know, looking at a map and I was seeing some transition from a private piece into like a good feeding area or from, you know, a bedding area, I might give it all that it takes, you know, because eventually mm. you'll catch those elk on the right side of the fence. Yeah. And you know, I would agree. Yeah. I, I think the it's cliff worth, band, worth that looking was, at. That was, looking yeah, back bands, on those last two lines. cliff bands were, mm-hmm. those were uh, kind of a hot spot. Yeah, and I've seen elk a number of times on late season hunts on a north facing slope in the thickest timber patch you can imagine, yeah. just bedded in the snow. That's what I was saying. Like I, I haven't really noticed like a, a, a 
directional preference yeah. of a way a mountain's changing. We found them on everything. Yeah, I mean, like you, you think traditionally south slopes because it bears off and you get those windswept ridges and you know they hit the sunshine, but it's it's got to have a lot of snow to to push to push them to push out pretty exclusively to south facing slopes. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be a lot of a lot of snow. The most recent one, the two year ago late season elk hunt, there was a bull feeding in chest deep snow. Like mm-hmm. his legs were, I mean, it was pretty well up to his belly, like his brisket, and he was feeding through that. Mm-hmm. And why I'm not late season elk hunting ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Brady, anything uh, you can draw from your elk hunt last year? Uh, like I, I think it's all, spot, elk, it's all spot on. Every I said elk hunt. Yeah, there we go. He's your a big elk, elk hunter. Your elk was, hunt last year? It was a deer hunt. That I think it was an elk hunt. It was a straight elk, elk hunt. hunt. It was an elk hunt. So anything sure. you noticed from your elk hunt? No, I, I, would, I would be spot on in ingredients. Pressure is number one thing mm-hmm. I've noticed on late season hunts before you know, an elk. Cause every, every hunter we ran into on that place I hunted last year had said they hadn't been seeing elk. We were in elk every single day. And why was that? Well, Luke and I were willing to go places that other people weren't willing to go. Yep. We got out away from the trails. We got out. Away. I, I started noticing where the horse camps at. And I, I could, I could literally glass up places in the snow where they would take their horses every single day. So I could see their horse tracks where they were going. We went the opposite way. We just went deeper and further in. And then, like you guys said, they were in the nastiest places. Yeah, I think you said it the best. The nastier, the better. Like, that. that is yeah, what it I is on the like those, Yeah, those shoots that are between timber, you mm-hmm. know, big yep. timber pockets that are just rocky and rough. I think beetle kill, you know, yep. burn, Dead anything ball. that's got some j- yeah. jack straw, just any kind of nasty stuff that nobody wants to go yeah. into. Yeah, a big bull that wants seclusion. Mm-hmm. I think if you're looking at it and say, yeah, I could day hunt that, like I could go in and out same day, don't hunt there. Go somewhere further. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. go, go somewhere further. Because that's you, what everyone else is doing too. Do you glass for tracks ever? I have, but yeah. I mean, it's a school bus on a white hillside. <laughs> you know, <laughs> typically yeah. in late season. That sounds, that's what I told Porter. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so ha- cool. have I? Yeah. yeah. I mean, but I haven't like studied it and tr- mm. found elk that way. I've just been like, oh, yeah. they use that. And then I just kind of go back to spazzing out in the glass and still seem to find him because it's a school bus on a white hillside <laughs> any different approach for mule deer uh it's a lot of that stuff does make the exact same sense for mule deer pressure is big thing getting further in there i like to take it from like a, maybe a little different approach i like to uh it's like research backwards to go forward so i like to figure out okay where are these bucks at during the summer months where's the alpine areas mm-hmm. and how are they going to move through the mountains down into their transitional zones and into their wintering areas. So I try to figure out where's a good habitat, high up in the mountains, and then where's the easiest place these bucks are going to potentially move down through to get in the transition zone. And that transition zone could be different depending on what state you're hunting, but a lot of times it's like 6,000 and 9,000 feet elevation. Coming off the mountain, they're getting more of that pinion juniper, aspen country, some of the dark timber, you know, a lot of oak brush type habitat. Mm -hmm. And also it's just for me in the late season, well, late season is now rut for mule deer, the best time of year, way better than September for elk. Like mule deer rut, like you want to oh, compare, they you make compare noise animals? and they like, you know, the whole deal. So like now you're starting to also, you got to, you got to find the does to find the bucks. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing a lot more searching out doe groups. And if I figure out there's does and I don't see a buck, well, I might look a little bit higher up or come back to the next day or check it out in the morning or check it in the evening and just keep checking on different doe groups, see if a buck moves in there. Cause a lot of times these bucks will cruise through a doe group. Nothing's hot. 
you can watch that buck. He just takes off and goes miles away, mm-hmm. but then he might make a big loop and come all the way back to it. So, and depending on the buck and the setup of the, you know, the topography in the country they're in, it is honestly kind of, it's kind of surprising sometimes how far away a buck will bed off mm-hmm. of his does. Yep. So, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like looking pretty far off the does and you might find that buck bedded. It's especially if you start to see a lot of like little dink bucks, yeah. like little immature threes, yeah. small fours, they're hanging out the does, they're getting ruddy. Well, that big buck kind of knows, the, the, he knows the show. He knows yeah, when those absolutely. does are, are, are ready. So he's going to hang That's, off on the distance. He's going to hang out on some of that thicker yeah. terrain. And, and so like you get the, quite you get the, a ways the, off. Yeah, you get the really glass it diligently to try to pick up a bigger buck because he's probably yeah. not going to be hanging out in the open. A lot and of the entire like, hillside, not just like relative to where the does are, like glass the entire hillside. Yeah, like the most classic thing is sitting up on a knob. You're looking over some sagebrush. You got a bunch of oaks. You got some aspens and you're looking at all these open pockets. Like, sure, it'd be great to shoot a big deer out in the open. Yeah. Big deer ain't going to hang out in the open anymore. Let's just be honest. Like they know the yeah. game. So I'm trying to figure out these little tight pockets of timber. Like that's why I want snow in late season. I want to build glass into the aspens. I want to build glass above into the oak brush to see what you're moving around. And everyone knows my strategy. I like to start high and then work my way lower. That's why I research backwards to go forwards. Like I want to figure out where a big old giant deer is. Can he still be up on the mountain? Yeah, I'm not talking about 12,000 feet. I'm not talking about something fucking stupid like that. But like, <laughs> you know, like you guys like, oh, poke fun at me. Whoa. That. Yeah. I've, I've heard the podcast when I'm not on. We're like, oh, Brady's going high again. Brady's going to 13. Brady's But I, yeah. I like to get a big master vantage points on the glaciers. Huh? Just, yeah. I want to be able to glass around, figure out the elevation bands these deer are at. Mm-hmm. And then I go back at night and be like, I, I saw a lot of deer at this elevation. I did not see any deer up high. Like he's talked about glassing for tracks. I glass for tracks a lot in late mm-hmm. season hunts. But I'm just trying to figure out where the does are, why these deer are going to be here, where's the proximity from roads, ATVs, horse hunters, all that stuff, and try to get deeper. That's why I do love to back back in on a late season hunt and just hone in on the habitat they'll be in. Because yeah. if you find some does, you'll find some bucks, but seclusion's a big thing. Yeah, and I would also say seclusion can come in a lot of it doesn't a lot nec- of different forms. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be you know five miles off of a no. road. It can be close. I would but just nasty. say. Na- yeah, nasty. And I would say, look at the landscape from a different perspective is like, what can't, what are people easily seeing? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what is, what's visible from a road? Yep. And if, can I gain a different vantage point of an area by just maybe getting a half mile off the road? Yep. Yeah. I, th- I think refuge comes in a lot of, it's not just like distance. Yep. And I, I would entirely agree. Another yeah. thing too, you talking about like you know, what aspect of the mountain, like elk can be anywhere. Sure. Mm-hmm. Deer can be anywhere too. But a lot of times on some of these late season hunts, especially places I've hunted, you get a big influx of like North, Northwest winds all the time. And so where are those bucks and does probably going to be? On the, they're going to the be side. rolling on the backside. Yeah. So you're really going to have to be sitting down glassing into the wind. It's going to be fricking miserable mm-hmm. to glass, but they're going to not want to be standing up and on you know, a west facing slope getting blasted by the wind, they're going to kind of be on some of those east facing slopes. Yep. So kind of you decide to your advantage because again, it comes into pressure. It's not fun to sit there and glass in that direction, face the wind the whole time glassing. Your spot is going to be shaking back and forth. You're going to be freezing cold, but those deer are going to be on that opposite side on the east facing to get yeah. away from that north mm-hmm. northwest wind, west wind. So That's a good point. start to utilize really some point. of that stuff to like kind of hunting the hunters in a way, figuring out what they're not willing to do and figure out what's the needs of the deer. Well, the needs of the deer is to get away from the wind. Mm-hmm. Maybe start to see some does in some of those little small pockets. 
Well, that terrain is so full, they get different vantage points. They're just working around to get different angles. I think late season is all about angles on the country. You can't just be like, oh, this is my master glass point. I'm going to sit here all day in glass. Mm-hmm. Well, you're probably going to miss a lot of bucks. Because yeah, you if need you can to be open up around. another 100 yards, you should roll. Yeah, Let's if you have to drop down elevation, if you have up. to climb elevation, get different yeah. viewpoints on it. Don't be afraid to move, you know, half mile or more just to get mm-hmm. different vantage points and different terrain. But don't just focus on one habitat type the whole time. Don't feel like, oh... I need to hunt sagebrush because yeah. I'm hunting a late season hunt and they should be in a winter range. Well, they could be a little bit up. They could be in the thick oak yeah. brush. They could be in the aspens. You know, yeah. I have that in my notes. Move, move with intent. So yeah. Move, yeah. move with intent based on a plan. I mean, I, I talked to my brother this last week. He's hunting elk in Idaho. He was asking me about an area. He was showing me on the map and he was like, how do I deal with the wind? And I was like, well, I think first and foremost, you got to find the animal. And then so from find the animal first, move with intent to find the animal. So find your vantage points and late season's all about finding vantage points and then figure out the wind, then stock, yeah. you know, so, mm-hmm. but, but move with intent, move without the, move throughout the day. The other thing I had in my notes was that those days are short. Yeah. Those late season hunts, your, Make days it are, worth it. your days are getting short. And I mean, there's no reason that an animal can't be up on its feet midday moving beds. So make the most of, you know, daylight hours. So be yeah. there before light, stay till after dark and stay all day. Yep. What do hunters like to do? They like to go back to town in the middle of the day, get, get some, a warm get some meal, food, get this. go back to their tent. Some good Mexican tent. food. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Glass all day, hunt all day. Yep. As good as it sounds, just dream about it while you're up there and then have the celebratory that's that, it. You know, make Do it, it right on the back end. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you guys had? That was a long one. How far are we? We got, we got a new counter. Oh, it goes. That can't be right. It goes to 99.99. And then, yeah. I wanted like a shot clock to go off at the, t- <laughs> the two hour mark. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah. Or like a hockey horn, you know? Yeah. We score a goal. There you go. No, I think, I think we covered it all. I mean, late season, like I said, it's gear based. It's survival yeah. based. Stay you have warm. to change up your tactics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a big optics game. So carrying one big is none is and key. two is one. Late season, bring double of everything. Yeah. And if you got your trucks, have double of everything. Yeah. Like literally, I bring, you know. Yeah. Extra, ther- extra thermo rest, extra sleeping bag, extra mm-hmm. everything. You just like, never know. You know, because most of these late season hunts, you're probably gonna be driving to a lot of those places. Like oh, yeah. I know a lot of like <clears throat> Midwest guys are even driving out, so you kind of have the ability to bring multiple setups. Like. I will bring a base camp setup because mm-hmm. I don't know what the hunt's going to be like. I will also bring a backpack setup. And a truck setup. Yeah. Something mm-hmm. in the truck. So, like, have a lot of different tools in your toolkit to potentially be able to use. Don't just pigeonhole yourself like, oh, yeah. I'm going to only hunt out of a hotel. I'm only going to hunt next to my truck out of my little pop tent with a stove. Like, you might want to yeah. get out there and, you know. Trail, trail. Uh, he detailed this one good, too. Sounds like a disaster, which... Yeah, it's late season hunting. That's <laughs> the worst. It's a disaster. <laughs> That's just what it is. Yeah, it's just different. We don't belong out there. Yeah, it's just you just got to force it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got to the point where like my kids have gotten older. I mean, the most of the opportunity for a younger hunter is late season, you know, rifle stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm just like trying to talk them out of it. I'm like, you guys don't want to go hunting. It's freezing. Mm-hmm. It's cold. <laughs> it's yeah. too cold. We can't do you this. You know what you should do is just uh, grow up a little more uh, and then we'll get a bow in your hands. Then we'll go we bow go. hunting. Mm-hmm. Warm. Also, also sometimes too, though, some late season hunts though are really conductive though to hunting from a vehicle. Oh, for sure. So don't be afraid to cover country. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah crazy how many miles we put on the trucks on some of these late season hunts, literally covering every inch of the unit. It's if crazy it, if how you, many big deer get shot from. Yeah. 
not from a truck, but yeah. <laughs> from a truck. But yeah, it's like if it's, yeah. a, if it's a rut and you're not seeing things, literally you can drive around all day and still be hunting and hop out and do some mm-hmm. little glassing or just find different areas to, to get to. That's just that knowledge gain too. It's no. like, a, I mean, we glass so many bulls from the truck. I mean, you're never going to kill them from the truck, but yeah, saw where they were. Oh, that was a question I was going to ask you. What, uh, what's the, how do you actually kill on a late season hunt? Before we end, so this is a question that my brother had. He's like, all right, I see an elk. I see a mule deer. How do I kill it? Like, when do I kill it? Because most of the time you're glassing in the morning and you pick it up and it's like moving back towards a bedding area. You know, how do you actually, how do you, how do I kill the damn thing? Essentially. It's a damn good question. I mean, it's pretty basic ass question, but what, I mean, how, how do you answer that? Different, different ways to go about it. Like if I see a, a buck kind of on some edge habitat with some does and they work into the timber, you know, I might be like, all right, I know where he's at right now. They're probably going to go bed. I'm now going to drop down, loop around once I get over, start figuring out the wind, start figuring out shooting distances, figure out where I can potentially set up closer to then hopefully ha- be able to put eyes on that deer again. I'd prefer to put eyes on him later in the afternoon before he gets up, if so possible. So you're anticipating where... Anticipating where he's going to come back out. I think that's probably... That's what I told him. That's yeah. the best case. Most of the time, it's either... I feel like late season's all about the slow play. Yeah. Yep. It's and and so much of killing late season is anticipating mm-hmm. where the animal is either going to be going from bedding or from feeding to bedding or bedding to feeding. feeding. Yep. And anticipating where that animal is going to be and then setting yourself up within range of yep. of that area. And you never know too, once you get over there, like I said, there could be a hot doe in the area. You could be glassing an area, you look down below you in the timber, there could be a lone buck starting to creep through, come working his way up. And I've said it a lot, but like to me, this holds true all the time. Mule deer hunting is an art and not a science. Like they don't do the same thing every single day. So you think you're gonna get over that knob, they fed out the exact same way in the morning, they're gonna do the exact same in the evening. Well, they might mm-hmm. not perfectly do that. They might drop lower, they might come up higher. So you wanna have all the options. That's where like being mobile when you need to be mobile is gonna be beneficial. Mm-hmm. Or if you see one in the morning and you have enough time, literally drop everything. And I've done this before where you literally just run That's as fast what I as told you can. Him. Yeah. Sometimes you just, you just gotta run an animal. Yeah. If yeah. you're if you're close enough that you think you can you do gotta it, force the issue. you gotta throw all your stuff mm-hmm. in a backpack and, and go. go. Just go. Yeah. Be ready to literally grab your yard sale of all your glass and stuff, yeah. all your warm clothes, toss in your backpack yeah. and run. Yeah. And if you and if they're out in the open enough and you play that in your head and you can do it and there's even the slightest chance, you should do it. Definitely yeah. do it. And I'll but even like, I'll even late season's not a time for a lot of indecision. No. no. But even no. when you start to see animals too, like I'm observing the whole country around me, taking pictures of it, looking at, okay, I was glassing here this morning. Let's say I try to get over there and don't see him. Well, maybe if I glass from that knob that's down there, it will put me in closer position for the next day to potentially kill him. So I'll be marking yeah. some of that as I'm going over, like, hey, this is actually a better glassing spot for that exact buck I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. So I don't kill him. I should yeah. be there in the morning. Now I have to wake up earlier. I'll try to time out how long it's going to get there, sit up there in the morning that's and try what, to kill that's that That's what buck. I was going to get to. Like the late season's a slow play, like you said. Yeah, you're trying to trying to predict where they're going to come out. But if you're not right, mm-hmm. I wouldn't go to the same place the next morning. I would go sure. if I would go to where you were that evening trying to guess and then look at it from that vantage yeah. point and be in tight and try to predict the next morning as well. And if they're not there, then stay up there and try to predict the next evening. You know what kind, I mean? Kind of a chess match. Don't go to the same glassing mm-hmm. knob to just be like, oh, he's there again <laughs> the next morning. No, <laughs> you, should be, yeah. you should be where you were yeah. trying to kill him that night. 
like yeah. that next morning. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. you should never be going to that same place. You could fall in love with just seeing from. an animal and not trying to kill it. Move on them. Yeah. Anything else? That was a good one. I felt good about it. That was really good. It's late, late season. It's time to time to go see some. I, a lot of stuff's getting tipped over. So oh, yeah, <laughs> and it'll it'll continue to be even more so as we approach the end of the month and end, uh, into November. So it's I'm fun, fun forward, time of year. I'm looking forward to having some mule deer tags in my pocket coming yeah. up here. I'm looking I'm, forward to just watching since I'm on yeah the house arrest. Send us uh, send us your your photos. DM yeah. us. Yeah, we always love the DMs send of people. Send us uh, your November, your late season, your October deer and elk photos and. You know, if you're lucky enough to hunt something else, send us that. We'd love to see that stuff. It's the hardest time to mule deer hunt right now. Mm -hmm. And we're like right on the cusp of the best time. Yep. Yep. It's like happening. And as always, like we love like reading people's reviews on the podcast. Drop us some reviews if you like us. Yeah. Like and subscribe. Yeah. Is that that cool cool thing? Obviously, like, you know, a lot of these, we're we're doing a lot of video (laughs) ones too. So if you do watch these on YouTube, you can always drop comments there. Like we read all those comments. You have questions about them, you know. Trail and I jump on all those comments and we'll respond. Hey, to I you. do too. Oh yeah, I've been seeing you jump on there a lot more lately. <laughs> Usually, what happens is Brady messages me and says, "Hey, if you have a comment you need to reply to, can you jump in and reply to?" <laughs> yeah, shit. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm not as good at it. Yeah. You guys are great at it. Yeah, I try, try. Try to do our best to jump in there. And cool. The Renzo will even jump in. I try. Well, thanks, guys. That was fun. Let's go, go chase some rotten bucks. <laughs> Brady's Ray rut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, that's a good way to end. See ya. <laughs>